What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Making the Turn, the premier green industry podcast that highlights professionals across many areas, including golf course management, sports turf, sales, business, education, landscaping, and more. Making the Turn is hosted by me, BJ Parker. I've spent nearly 25 years in the green industry, mostly as a golf course superintendent, and now I want to bring the knowledge and insight from myself and the many people I've met and continue to meet along the way. Making the Turn will provide valuable content for those looking to learn from others, gain useful tips and tricks, and be better in their daily lives. You can find Making the Turn on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe. It helps keep the podcast growing and getting better. Thanks for listening, and welcome to another episode of the Making the Turn podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Making the Turn podcast. I'm your host, BJ Parker. And it's a special podcast for me. Uh, It's one that's uh, with a little bit of a heavy heart. Um, A friend of mine, one of my early podcast guests, Stephen Nutt, passed away here recently, and suddenly... And um, I thought about what I wanted to do, and I know uh, his partner, Clay Usselton, and we go back a ways. We played golf. We've known each other. I've done some work with him, and so I asked him to come on, talk about Steven, talk about their relationship. So, Clay, what's happening, my man? How you doing? Good morning, BJ. Good to talk to you. Looking forward to the podcast. Well, I know I had a lot of fun uh, doing this with Steven. It was uh, something that he invited me to his home and we talked, and I know he enjoyed the heck out of it, and, and you shared some of those thoughts when we were talking about getting together. Uh, how you doing? How's everything? Sort of tell me what's uh, what's going on with you. We're doing good. Uh, we had a rough week or two there yeah. uh, when Stephen passed away, uh, but we've, like, like everything, uh, the world keeps turning and life sure. goes on, and Stephen had done a good job of uh, putting a, a great team together and so everybody has stepped up to uh what they need to do and and uh we're finishing our winter work and yep. uh, now down in naples and south florida fort myers starting our summer work so we're kind of transitioning some of those have already started some are receiving materials and some are getting ready to receive materials so yeah uh we're just rolling along right now uh, myself i'm down in naples and hope to be back in Tennessee here in a few days. Well, I don't want to dive too. I don't want to. I want to make this more about a celebration of him. But just talk about what happened, sort of the the a little bit uh, like broad stroke, kind of the circumstances. I know Stephen. I mean, he he he's fairly young. He was fairly young. Uh, yeah, he's, he was forty four, about yeah. to turn forty five. Yeah. Uh, Stephen was down here getting ready uh, for our jobs in in Naples. Yep. I've been down here for a few days. I was planning on coming either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, uh, and I ended up, it was such nice weather uh, Friday and Saturday up in Tennessee that I decided to stay home and play golf with my son. I haven't played golf with him in a while and was planning on coming Monday, and then uh, everything kind of happened Sunday where his wife couldn't get in touch with him. She had talked with him Saturday night. Uh, he had just eaten his favorite meal, spaghetti and meatballs, yeah. and had talked with a competitor of ours, which is a good friend of ours, uh, that evening about 9.30 to 10 o'clock, and then his wife couldn't get in touch with him on Easter yeah. uh, Sunday and then uh, called the police, and they uh, he, he, had, he had died during his sleep. Uh, they don't know the, the – uh, 
exact cause of death. Uh, that'll take a month or two, but uh, he always he, he always slept on the couch. If there was a couch, he didn't like to sleep in the bed, and uh, uh, they, they found him right beside the couch. So he, he had died during the, the evening sometime. Well, I mean, that uh, it was a tough blow, I know, to you and a lot of people. Uh, me in particular, I, I've known him for a while. We weren't as close of friends as I wanted, but I respected the heck out of him. I respected what he did. And I can't describe to you the the feeling I got when I got a text message. I didn't want to believe it, but I mean, yeah. you know, you just have to. You, you just never know, and and um, so I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about you. I, I his wife. I mean, I, I I sent her the podcast. I sent her a little note on um on Facebook, just you know, thanking them and uh, thinking about him and stuff. So it's just a rough it's a rough deal man and i and i and i'm you know i'm praying for you guys and and for them and just uh okay. i appreciate you doing this and and uh it, my my goal is to kind of talk about him and what he's done for the industry uh how how his reception has been you know and you guys relationship so that's really what i want to do but uh i know we couldn't really talk about it without talking about the circumstances and and why we're even doing this so yes well how did you uh how and you and how did you meet Stephen. what what's talk about your relationship and how that became a partnership and you guys are i mean in in, in my eyes the the best in the business but i'm biased i mean i, I know you guys and, and do great work but uh you you guys uh irrigation company nut irrigation is uh is highly respected and i know you you're doing tons of work in the, across the country mainly in florida i guess but uh pretty much anywhere uh talk about you yeah. and steven's relationship and how that got started well Stephen, uh i went I'm 13 years older than Steven and I went through almost all the way through school with his older sister, Bethany. Uh-huh. And so, and like I, I y'all I are from to, Tullahoma. Uh, the yeah. Same we're area, both right? from Tullahoma. Yep. Yeah. So, and when I was in junior high, that's when he was born and his mom worked at, at West middle school or West junior high. Gotcha. And so I remember when he, when he was born and that's cause you know, it was kind of funny for somebody, one of us to be having a brother or sister born, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that, you know, when we were in junior high. So I've told him, I've known him, I've known about him his whole life. And then I've, you know, like, like you said, BJ, I grew up playing golf. I played college golf. I was always good friends. I, I liked what you guys did as far as superintendents. So I was always friends and interested in what was going on at the golf course, right. you know, and later on in life, uh, there at Lakewood Country Club, I was on the board for a bunch of years. Was Greens Committee Chairman, um, was one of the guys leading the thing when we hired Dan Oaks, yep. who was our superintendent for a number of years, and and then through the last two hirings that we've had here recently. Uh, so I've always been interested in that. And then so Stephen, anytime I saw him, I would always ask him about his business yep. and how he was doing and this and that. We talk about it. And so he came to see me. I was president of a bank and he came to see me there and, and um, needed to borrow some money. And so we got to talking and and I was ready to get out of banking. Yeah. And uh, after we'd met a couple of times, I said, hey, I've got an idea for you. You're going to think I'm crazy, but uh, uh, I'd like to become partners with you. I'm, I'm talking about full partners. And how all that happened was is he was not going to bid Hillwood Country Club. And I was sitting there thinking, man, I know uh, several people on the board there. I know two past club presidents. Right. And I'm like, I think I could help this guy get, you know, I could help Steven get this job. 
And that's kind of what got me thinking. At first, I thought I'd be a silent partner. I thought, no. And I'm sure something had happened with the examiners that day or compliance or something in banking that I was like, I'm ready to get out of banking. <laughs> and, and so, uh, uh, you know, and then the, the thing that helped our relationship a lot. So from that point, we didn't sign our contract for about seven or eight months. So we had plenty of time to talk and really get to know each other. And the thing I said about Steve and his passion for what we do, irrigation and the golf business. Yeah. And, and when I was thinking about it, I, I, I never heard him say that he felt like he'd messed up getting into this business or he'd made a mistake yeah. or that he didn't like what he did. He loved what he did yep. and uh, found out what his reputation was and uh, he had a great reputation in the business. And um, so, you know, when we became partners, uh, and that's what I was talking to you earlier, my, my first day working with him. Yep. Well, it's just a beautiful, sunny, no clouds in the sky at Sweetens Cove. That was the first job him and I did together. And uh, uh, met Rob Collins that day and, right. and talked to him about what his thoughts was for, at that time, it was Sequatchie Valley, which would become Sweetens Cove. Gotcha. Uh, but it was just, I was like, man, I've made a good decision. I love being yeah. outside. I love talking golf. And... Uh, we've never looked back since, yeah. you know, is it, we've had some tough times and got through some tough jobs, but, uh, it, it was, a, it was a great decision that I've made. And I said, I told people I should have gotten the golf business a long time ago. It's my passion. It's what I love doing. Yeah. And it's never been boring to me. So it's been, it's been a neat, neat experience. Did you have to figure out or, or learn on the fly about the irrigation uh, business or did you? Oh yeah. Or, yeah. You know, you know, with, with you, you know, after dealing playing golf my whole life yeah. and, and you know and 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 being friends with superintendents and talk i understand understood golf lingo i knew how that how important golf or irrigation was to a golf course i mean you know what you guys do people just think you're watering you know to keep grass growing but you use it to water and chemicals you know you there's all kinds of things that you have to have with irrigation that other than just watering grass and so I understood the importance of it. Uh, but yeah, and, and the first job that, that after Sweetens Cove, uh, we did Fort Campbell and, uh, Steven and I, we had to put kind of a makeshift crew together. So it was, it was perfect for me because I learned how to fuse pipe. I learned how HDP pipe, I learned how right. to, to run a mini X, learned how to, to run our vibratory plow. Uh, you know, learned what gate valves were, what fittings were, you know, what, you know, just everything that you guys deal with on a daily basis, as far as irrigation, uh, it was, so that first year or two of, of actually hands-on and running jobs, uh, it was tough, especially right. for a guy that was 50 years old, but, uh, I learned so much there at the beginning because, you know, we were doing everything. Yeah. And uh, which would change later on, but it, it was a crash course in golf course <laughs> irrigation for me for the first year or two. So yes. yes. But you know, that I, I think that's because you, you guys um, sort of partnership evolved from that standpoint. I was curious if you had ever even really had, you know, I know what, uh, and you can speak a little bit more about this, but weren't, didn't you sort of tackle the, the bid process and some of the, you know, the administrative stuff and Steven took his uh, was yeah, handling a lot that, of the technical stuff. 
Yeah, that would happen later on. Okay. At the beginning, both of us were doing everything. Yeah. Whoever had time to do a bid or go to the pre-bid meeting gotcha. or who was closest to us, you know, uh, we were both, you know, that first first summer, uh, we had a job in Amelia Island that Chris and, and Stephen were at. We were doing Swanee with, you know, with Gil Hands and his group there. And, uh, then we were starting, uh, we won Doral that year, that summer. We, uh, uh, we doing a job up in Cincinnati at a great golf course up there, Coldstream country club. So we were just running around with, you know, like chickens with our heads cut off and just trying to figure things out on the fly. We were so busy. And so we just didn't have time to kind of figure out how we were going to run our business. That would happen. Yeah. A few years later when we were like, you know, we got to, you know, we both can't keep doing everything. Yeah. And so eventually we sat down and talked and I, and I was like, okay, Steven, I will handle everything up through the signing of the contract. And once the contract is signed and we've got the job, then I'll turn that over to you and you handle, you know, the operation side, who's going to run the job, what people are going to be there, what equipment's going to be there. Uh, you know, housing, you know, all the logistics type stuff. Yeah. So, uh, it, and, and when, when, when all that happened, uh, uh, it was, we trusted each other, which anybody that's in a partnership out there will tell you the number one thing is you got to be able to trust each other. Sure. And we trusted each other. And from there, uh, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was easier on us, but it was more streamlined and we were more efficient at what yeah. we were doing. And from there, just it was we were running more like a company rather than just us, you know, you know, going as hard as we could and just figuring it out along the way. So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, that that's how all great businesses. It sounds like a, a similar story when you talk about, you know, the the guys that started it get in the dirt. They, you know, they work and grind as hard as they can. They're doing as much as they can to try to win the jobs, do everything they can, put people in place where they can. And then ultimately you get to a point where the two partners rely on their strengths to mac to maximize right. the, you know, the, the business. And I mean, you guys seem to do that uh, perfectly. And, and, you know, you took what I, I would imagine your, you know, skills from a banking perspective and, and some of the organization of things you have to have. And Steven had the business, you know, the, this knowledge and the working relationships with people and, and, and how to get things done and how to organize. And, and that, and that probably made a pretty cool, uh, but, and, and successful business. It, it you know, Steven, I talked a lot over the years about why we thought we were doing well. And we both agreed, you know, uh, the way we, fit together my strengths was were, were his weaknesses and his strengths were my weaknesses and it just it fit together really well and uh uh you know we just you know with him he had a passion for and and, and he was happy to to get back onto the operation side of it also and not be dealing with kind of some of the office stuff yeah and and i like the office stuff but at the same time you know, I also get to go visit the jobs too and work with those guys. So, you know, I kind of felt like I had the, the better deal cause I could kind of do both. And, uh, uh but Steven, you know, really enjoyed the operation side and, sure. and dealing with that stuff. So, 
it, it just worked out really well. Did, and, now, did uh, you ever have somebody helping you, or did you pretty much take that responsibility on full hand and then just hand it over to Stephen? Because I know yeah, he, it, he yeah, had pretty it. much. Yeah, yeah. We, we had talked about growing our business. You know, uh, we we run anywhere from four to six jobs at a time right now. We've got uh, four job, uh, four super superintendents. Uh, we got several job foremen. When we got over four jobs at a time, then Stephen or I would have to run in yeah. and, and run that job. And, and that happened quite frequently, especially during the summertime. Uh, but uh, generally, when we were talking about growing to where we – the thing that we said is the people that we were going to have to hire were were kind of operations-type people. Right. Uh, that would be the first ones to go if the economy, economy changed. And so we just, look, we're happy. We're working hard. We're making decent money. We're fine with what we're making and, and we're fine the size we are. And we don't want to grow. Yeah. And we've been asked many times by consultants and, and, uh, uh, GCs and other people, you know, we need y'all to be bigger. We like working with y'all and we want you to do most of our work and, and we want you to add on more crews, but we just <laughs> made that decision. No, we're fine where we are. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, and it worked out well for us. What, so. what is the size of the company now? I think I talked to Steven with Steven about this. Y'all, you, you have, um, several full-time employees, don't you? Yeah. Well, generally, uh, you know, we shrink a little bit during the winter time, yep. but uh, not much. I mean, this winter we had, uh, four jobs during the winter. We had one in Virginia. We had one in South Carolina. Uh, we had two in Missouri. Yeah. Uh, and so this summer we're going to have six jobs, four big ones down here in South Florida and two that will be, would be fairly big jobs, but they're small for us. Right. Um, and so we'll carry, you know, during the wintertime, maybe 50 to 60 employees. And, uh, this summer we'll probably have 80 to a hundred and, um, uh, we'll have, uh, four job super supervisors yeah. and we'll have uh, four uh, job foremen and but we've got more job foremen if we need yeah. like if I'm running a job uh, then uh, you know they'll give me whoever uh, we've got plenty of guys that can run jobs yeah. as far as job foreman and uh, uh, the, the, the job superintendents that we have uh, Stephen did uh, Chris has been in the business for over 20 years right and he's the one that will be taking a lot of Steven's responsibilities. Uh, and I think I was telling you earlier, Chris yeah, wanted, will be. I wanted to Chris get into is, that a little bit about how the transition and, and talking yeah, about so, Chris. So, so I'm 58 years old and, yeah. and Steven and I had already talked about Chris uh, at some point here in a few years, slowly yeah. buying my part of the business. Uh-huh. And so we'll continue with that same plan and he'll be buying Steven's half. And so, here in seven or eight years, if I'm looking at retirement, then uh, at that time Chris can kind of decide who he wants his his partner, business partner, to be. Yeah. And uh, Steve and I both agreed uh, we liked having a partner. Him especially, uh, uh, since he had done it by himself, it, it's just nice to have somebody that you trust and that you can talk about things, and you don't feel you're on that island all by yourself. Sure. Sure. And, uh, so, so that's our plan with Chris. Uh, we've got Jason, uh, who's been with us for 
five or six years. Great guy. We've got Joe who's been with us for three or four years doing a great job. And then Rich who fills in whenever we need him who lives in North Carolina, but uh, he's been in irrigation business for 30 plus years and uh, just an unbelievable hard worker and I always enjoy working with Rich. So uh, we got four great guys. And, and uh, like I said, when, when we get more than four jobs and Steven or I would step in yeah. and kind of fill that position. So that's, we'll continue on. And, and like I said, uh, the thing that I'd mentioned to you earlier, and I might want to make sure I say this, so I don't forget yeah. the, the people in our business, including superintendents, uh, but, uh, consultants and architects and uh, general contractors, distributors, uh, vendors, Toro, Rainbird, all of them, their outpouring of support and love and respect for Stephen was just incredible. And it was very heartwarming to me and, and our company and, and the guys and Ashley and, and, and her girls. Just, they were amazing. Anything you need, what do you need? You know, don't hesitate to ask. Just, you know, the people that and the friends that Stephen had made, you know, doing this for 20 plus years yeah. were just, it was just what a great group of people. And, and, and of course, and like I said, I include the golf course superintendents in there. We, that was always, I thought one of our strengths Yeah, is we became friends, just like you, BJ, we yeah. became friends with you guys, yeah. you know, as we did your job, whether Stephen and I were there very much and your friendship was more with our superintendent that ran the job yeah. or Stephen and I were there a lot and we became friends. And there's, there's guys that, that, that I consider very good friends that are superintendents as we've done their jobs and moved on that I still talk to and Stephen the same way. Stephen still great friends with the very first job, Brad Nelson, very first job he ever did with his own company and, yeah. uh, at breakers West, you know, down here. Sure. And, uh, just it, all of those outpouring, it just, it's really a neat industry to be in and what a great group of people that we have, you know, that, that deal with yeah. what we, we do. So I just want to make sure I got that out there. Cause that, that was something that was just one of the nice things that right. came out of this, you know? Well, so. I'll, I'll even, I'll even add a little bit to this. I was uh, speaking the other day to Dan Johnson over at the uh, old Hickory country club. And, yeah. and he mentioned, and this is the, this is the testament to you guys that y'all had done some work for him and, and there's, they was having some issues and y'all always come back in, you always take care of him and you never send him a bill for it. And I don't know how the work's been happening or, or whatever, but I mean, that just goes to show you that y'all are always going to stand by what you do, no matter what, that's the kind of people you and Steven were and y'all's company. And, and, you know, and that, that speaks testaments to not only superintendents, but just people in the industry that, that even don't even know you that like when they call up and were, are asking for, you know, uh, credentials or, you know, references, you can tell stories like that about just things that people say, you know, it may not have been exactly right or this one, but they took right. care of it. They stood behind their work and they made sure that it was done and they didn't charge me for it. And, you yeah. know, and, and I think that goes a long way towards how Steven was respected. You were respected in this industry. And that's why, you know, we're, we remain friends and, and are able to call each other. If we need each other, you know? Right. Right. And, and that's what, uh, you know, when we won work or whatever, while we're doing the job, you know, the, you know, the guys will say, well, when do y'all leave? You know, we tell them we leave when you're happy. That's when we leave. Yeah. You know, when everything's fine. But like you said, I mean, we're human, you know, all of us, you know, in the business, 
things happen. It's, it's not a perfect science. And, and that was the philosophy that Steven had had that, and that's another reason we meshed our philosophy on customer service and relationships was the same. Yeah. You know, why am I going to mess up a relationship over a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars? You yeah. know, it, it, there's no use in that. And, you know, when we go back to fix problems, we don't, whether it's our problem or not, we're going to go back and fix it. Cause there's times that, it, you know, it's, it's the, the material that had the issue, sure. but we, we tell them, look, we'll fix it. And then we'll deal with, if it's a manufacturer type problem, look, we'll deal with that, yeah. get, get our money back from him if that's what the issue is. But no, Stephen had a great philosophy on that and I agreed with it, and, you know, and, uh, that's what we try to continue to do. Yeah, you're right. That's a good example. Yes. And I, and I think that's, that's speaks volumes to your, your company, you guys company and how you do business. And anybody that's listening to this, anybody that's considering doing an irrigation renovation or, or a new install or anything dealing with you guys, I can speak firsthand about it, working with you guys. And I, and I can tell you stories just like I shared with about Dan that, I mean, that's the kind of people you're going to get. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, you got uh, peace of mind about hiring you guys for sure. And yeah. I don't think there's anybody better. So that's just my opinion, but I mean, I'll stick by it. <laughs> well, we, we think your opinion is right on there, BJ. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, I get, uh, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a cool little platform that I've started here where, um, uh, I, I get a few people listening now. It's taken me a little bit of time and, and I think we're gaining some momentum and, and there's people that listen all over the world, not just, not just here in the United States. And, and you know, that you guys, uh, anything that we can do or I can do that puts somebody's little bug in somebody's ear about you guys, uh, maybe doing some work for them down the road. I mean, that's what I want to do. And, and I, and I don't expect anything from it. I just want to, you know, be honest with people and tell people that it's the best company I know of to do irrigation work and, and they'll stand behind their work and you guys are really good. And, and, uh, you know, I meant, uh, Steven was, a um, you know, somebody that I really respected and, and, um, you guys are going to continue on like nothing's, you know, I know obviously it's going to be different, you know, but, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be the same old nut irrigation and, and, uh, you, you guys, will are, be. you know, you guys will keep rolling along. Yep. That's true. Yeah. We got, uh, got a lot of years, good years ahead of us. Yep. And, and that was the thing that, that I, when I talked with his wife, Ashley and, 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 and the, the best thing that we can do for Steven is to keep his legacy going and keep that irrigation, you know, going five, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever down the road. And, yeah. and, uh, we continue on to, to build his business and, and keep, uh, Steven's name out there, yeah. you know, cause I think one, only one person asked me if I was going to change the name of the company. I said, no, I'm not, you know, we're going to keep it like it up, like it is. And if, if anybody ever asked, why is it called nut? Then I'll explain to them why it's called, not irrigation so yeah well i mean i, I mean you know I, I i guess you could to some people on the outside looking in that's probably a you know a logical question but i mean to the reputation of nut irrigation i mean that's that's what you built your you know whole business on and i, I don't i don't I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think you would ever want to consider that. No, you know? no, no, yeah. no, no. How much, how much is Ashley, is any of his wife, were they, were they involved with the business at all? Did they, or did they have anything to do with it as far as, you know, any sort of, I mean, I don't even know if I have a question, but is, or is that. No, no, no. Uh, none of our wives. Now, Steven's sister, uh, Lori. Yeah. Uh, she is, uh, our administrative person handles all of the payroll. Gotcha. Uh, um, 
accounts receivable, accounts payable, uh, does a great job for us. And, uh, but, uh, she's the only family member that we have that, uh, that gotcha. does anything. And if Lori's listening out there, please stay on Lori. We need you. <laughs> yeah, <So>. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what, what jobs, I know you mentioned briefly some of the jobs that you've got going. Talk about where, you, where you're at right now and what the immediate future, uh, if you can speak specifically about the places, some yeah. of them you may not be so, able to mention. So, so, so uh, like what we just finished, uh, we've been at Payne's Valley, which is Tiger Woods. How was that, so, by the way? How, I want to get over there. Be- it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, they've got 13 or 14 holes open. They hope to have their grand opening uh, for the whole course in September, October. Yep. They've got one hole left, which is the 19th hole. Uh, that's Johnny Morris who owns uh, bass pro shops, uh, yeah. is the one who's building all those courses up there. And, uh, uh, and then this is the tiger woods design a be- unbelievably beautiful. If any of you've seen any pictures from it, Steven, uh, sent, me a, Steven sent me a, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I want yeah, to tell yeah. you this. He, I asked him, uh, had he seen Tiger Woods, and he and he sent me a picture. He stuck, a, he stole a picture of Tiger walking in front of his truck, and he yeah, sent it yeah. to me. He said that's the only time I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so that one, and and then we just finished one up just north of there, about thirty minutes. Yeah. Uh, of course, called Twin Oaks. Those guys are leaving to come down here. We're doing. Uh, we're in the middle of a, a, a neat. Uh, uh, sun, it was sunset country club in Sumter, South Carolina, and they're redoing it. It's going to be called, be called uh, Coyote uh, Country Club. Uh-huh. Uh, Spence is the architect there. He's out of North Carolina, but he's the architect, along with Jack Nicholas Jr., and uh, he's building, uh, his his company's building it also. Okay. Um, and then down here, doing a great golf course uh, that we just received materials this week, Naples National. They have the terracotta by any good golfers out there that's the terracotta uh amateur yeah uh is out there in the in i think it's either march or april but a, a beautiful golf course great course uh we're at we're still doing work at bonita bay uh which has five golf courses we've done i've been there uh, for a while now haven't you? yes yeah uh, we're we've done three courses and they're actually renovating one of the courses that we've done out there so we're out back out there Royal Ponciana, which is another great golf course. Uh, Matt uh, Taylor, who's the superintendent out there, does an unbelievable, just perfect conditions all the time. But we're doing nine holes. He's switching from hydraulics to uh, uh, electric to uh, you know the satellite system. So we're doing nine holes for him out there, just changing out heads, plowing in wire, and then a big, big job at Gulf Harbor. A real another nice, nice club. It's a Gulf Harbor yacht and country club. So that tells you how nice that place is for sure. Uh, but, uh, that's what we're up with Ryan golf. So they're completely and Kip Schultes is the, uh, uh, architect up there, complete blow up and uh, complete renovation will be really nice when they get done there. And then over on the, the East coast, uh, we're doing, uh, Coral Ridge. Um, that's where the, uh, Robert Trent Jones family uh-huh. had their offices and that was their home course. And so Reese Jones and uh, uh, Robert Trent Jones the third, I guess, or junior. Yep. So so Reese is part of the redesign. I, I don't know if he's uh, 
renovating it or taking it back to the original, you know, his dad's original design. I'm not exactly sure what yeah. he's doing there. Another neat old Florida golf course. And then um, just signed the contract yesterday at PGA National uh, where they have the Honda Classic. Uh, we're going to be doing two of their other courses there starting in June. Uh, we're going to do the Squire course first, which they're renovating, and then we'll do the Palmer course in the fall. So uh, it's just never ending down here in Florida. You, which anybody's ever been down here, you can't throw a rock and not hear, hit a golf course. So, I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm they're all you. trying to keep up with the Joneses and renovate. And that's kind of the what I've seen You know, since when I got in with Stephen. At first, it was just irrigation only. Uh, but as the economy got better and they had, you know, they felt more comfortable now, it's, you know, yeah. they might be, they might've been doing greens or sand traps or bunker renovating and now it's complete yep. renovation. So it's, it's a neat time down here. It's, it's, it's really, I, I love watching those guys, uh, you know, which, which, you know, you did that at your course, but I love watching those guys, you know, shape bunkers and yep. shape greens and just all of that is, you know, those, those guys are like artists, you know, in the dirt. It's, it's really neat to watch them work. Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's a, pa yeah. it's actually a, it's actually like a real passion of mine. I, I, I got into the golf business wanting to be an architect and, you know, I just fell in love with taking care of the golf courses, but I still never yeah. lost the the eye and the passion. I mean, I still, I talked about this on a, a previous podcast that I'd love to find me a, a piece of land and just build and shape and run and own my own right. little nine hole right. golf course, you know, and, right. you know, right. I, I just think that would be cool to do. And, and, uh, you know, I hopefully one day, maybe I get a chance to do that, but, uh, you're right, man. It's, uh, it's cool. I mean, are they, are you dealing with a lot of, I mean, most, I gotta assume that there's not, they're just not building many golf courses from scratch. So are you, I mean, most of it's all renovation or is it, are you? Yeah, it mostly like, we, we did it. We did a new course last year, uh, Lakewood ranch. Yeah. Uh, uh, 1000 was the project name. Uh, it's an Esplanade, uh, over in uh, Sarasota, but yeah. yeah, most of them are complete renovations. Now, very few new courses, yeah. uh, Every now and then, you know, you get one, you know, like the Tiger Woods course up there. Sure. Uh, we maybe do one new course every couple of years, but right. most of them are, are renovations. And, and like out at Naples National, it's an irrigation only. Uh, those, you know, we did one up in the one in Virginia was irrigation only. Yep. So I'd, I'd say about 30% of our work is irrigation only, but, but now we're probably 80% used to be that, you know, say six or seven years ago. But now most of it is is renovations that are going on. Right. Yeah. Are, are you, uh, doing both, uh, PVC and HDP or, or are y'all just primary? Are you, are you pretty much all HDP by now? Uh, yeah, yes. Very, very little PVC anymore. Yeah. Everybody is, uh, believes in the HDP and it is the way to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's going to be there for a long, long time. You won't have to worry about it. Yeah. It's something that might be fairly new to the golf industry, you know, in the yeah. last 10, 12 years, but they've been using HDP pipe and utilities stuff for, you know, 40, 50, 60 years. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not a new, it's not a, it's, it's new to the golf business, but not, not a, not a new idea. So. Yeah. Um, speak a little bit about that process for people who may not be familiar with it, that you can, I mean, I, I can talk on about it a little bit with you if you, so, but I mean, as far so, so, those, so those that are familiar with PVC, you yeah. know, where you're, uh, you know, you're connecting pipe, uh, with the glue and, and, uh, or, or the, uh, sealer in there, but, uh, the, the, the HDP pipe, you actually have, uh, equipment that, that heats the pipe up to a certain temperature, 
and, and kind of melts it a little bit. And then uh, you pull that plate out and then you have a big hydraulic you know, thing that pushes those two pipes together sure. and, and fuses those pipes. And, and, and that, that where it seals together is actually stronger than the other pipe, uh, the rest of the pipe. Yeah. It. So you, you know, you'll take 40 to 50 foot sections and you're fusing those together. And that's usually how we start off those jobs. Yeah. is we'll fuse 250 to 300 foot sections uh, of those pipe. And so where, as you're trenching in the main line, um, with PVC and every 20 feet, you know, you're jamming in another stick of pipe. Right. Now we just go that we trench down through there and you just, you just flopping the pipe over into the, uh, into the trench yep. and, uh, you know, whatever wire needs to go in there, whether it's power wire or communication wire. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where you need your gate valves, uh, uh some are the ABK valves have HDPENs. And you can fuse those on there or uh, flange valves where you, f- you f- fuse the flange yep. onto the pipe. And then, you know, with the back rings and everything, hook it up to the uh, – it's it's really a neat process. I yeah. mean, and the thing that that you guys know that have been dealing with this for a long time, I mean, with 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 PVC, no matter how perfect this is, you're going to have leaks. I mean, it's just part of the – Right. part of the deal but with hdpe you're gonna have no leaks if you got a leak you got an issue you know you need to find it yeah because you've got something going on but you know like steven said you know his you know life ambition was to put in a pvc job and not have any leaks and he said you couldn't do it and he said the very first hdpe job he put in no leaks he's like oh okay so he he was one that that wasn't happy you know, moving to the HTPE until he put one in, he's like, Oh, okay. I see what everybody's happy about. Yeah. Yeah. And the cost cost wise, it's not, I mean, it's relatively similar in it. I mean, I can't remember it being too much difference one way or another. Yeah. The, the, the pipe is a little bit more expensive, yep. but, uh, uh, you don't have to have all your uh, joint restraints and, you know, everything that you need. Sure. Uh, your ductile iron fittings are a lot more expensive than yep. the HDP fittings. So over all in all, and guys in the beginning used to uh, bid them higher because they didn't have the fusion equipment, but now all of us do. Yeah. And so it, you know, you just bid the job, and and used to they, you'd bid a PVC job versus HDP, and they, you know, look at it, but they, we don't even bid it that way anymore. They just bid it straight HDPE. So, yeah. do you ever get asked to bid it both ways? Uh very seldom, but yeah. maybe once once or twice a year, you know, and I'm bidding probably 30 to 40 jobs a year. It seems like, yeah. Uh, so once every now and then they're like, why are you even looking at PVC? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I was going to ask you, you, you said you build bid about 30 to 40. I was going to ask you how many you turn down a year. So obviously you're, you either don't win a job or you, you turn down, you have to turn down. Yeah, you, you know, it, it, the thing, and it, I, I would talk with superintendents, you know, out there, uh, it, you get calls from them and I'm sure they're nervous that they're having to call and tell, you know, the contractors, you know, the four that didn't win, yeah, you know, versus the one they get to tell, but we get, we lose all the time. You know, yeah. I will tell the guys, no big deal. Don't worry about it, man. You know, thanks for giving us the opportunity. If sure. you've got any questions, don't hesitate to ask. And, uh, you know, we move on. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, and, and you can say that now because the economy's good and there are a lot of jobs yeah. out there. 
you know, and, you know, hopefully we won't ever have the time where there's only three jobs to bid and you got five contractors that yeah. are bidding for those three jobs that year, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I imagine it could be a little different if uh, things weren't going as well as they are and, and you you, ha- you have enough work to stay busy and, uh, instead right. of looking for the next job, needing to make sure right. you, you, you can keep everybody employed and have a job. Correct. Yeah, that's crazy. Correct. Yeah. Uh, um, so talk a little bit about the relationship. Uh, I just want to touch real briefly on like with working with irrigation consultants. And, and I know you probably work with a bunch of them, so you don't have to drop a bunch of names. But talk about that relationship if you want to say some names, because we know a couple of that we've worked with together. But um, just, you know, uh, talk about that relationship, how that works in with what you guys do and the process along the way. Well, the, the consultants and when when I first started, I didn't really understand their role. Right. And thought, well, you know, you know, I don't know if you need a consultant or not, but after working with these guys and becoming friends with them over the years, you see how much they do for the project and how much they help the superintendent, uh, in lots of things, whether it's budgeting for the project or helping them, sell their project to the board of directors and the members membership. Right. Uh, and then from there ensuring that the, the project goes well, uh, flagging, you know, the, the heads, uh, you know, ensuring that the install is going correct, that, uh, you know, and setting up their, their, their central as the, the, the job is being performed. There's lots of things that those guys do that, that where they earn their money. And, you know, like I said, when I first started, I didn't really understand everything that they did. Uh, but once you get into it, the, you know, so for, for a superintendent that's out there and you're, you know, you need a new irrigation system or, or you need help, the, the first process, of the, you know, the first step in the process should be to start interviewing uh, consultants. Yeah. And there's, there's plenty of them out there that, you know, if you're in the Tennessee area or, the, you know, whatever you're in, you know, whether you talk with a Toro distributor or a Rainbird distributor or you go through whoever, there's plenty of them that those guys can give you names for. Sure. And, and you know, and I'd talk to as many as you could because yep. they're all, we deal with a lot of them and I'm friends with a lot of them and they're all great in in their ways but they're also all very different they have different designs they have uh, different philosophies on things so you as a superintendent need to interview as many as you can to decide which one you think works best for you and and your club or your golf course right so uh, you know don't just take the the first one that that they you know somebody recommends to you because uh, what worked good for your buddy's club might not work best for your club. Uh, and so, uh, but, but there's, there's, you know, down here in South Florida with uh, uh, Sean Hyduck and, and uh, Dave Reagan and Mike Pignato's down here a lot. Tony Alton's down here, Yeah. Uh, you know, up in Tennessee area, you got Trevor Holman. Uh, and I don't want to leave out people, sure. but uh, I mean, you work with all, all of them all over the country. Uh that that uh, that we get invited to do their bids, and some that we don't get invited to do their bids. That we try to you know to, to squeeze in, but they're you know they've got the three or four contractors that they're comfortable with, yeah. 
and those things happen to us too. And so, you know, our hope sometimes when we're trying to get in with a consultant, uh, that, uh, doesn't allow us to bid their work, uh, is just to go meet with them, show them the jobs we've done and then hopefully, uh, you know, do a job for them and show them how good we are. And and then from there, keep being on their bid list. So, uh, but we've got, we've got a group of consultants that we're great relationships with and, and those guys want us to do, you know, a lot of their work. And, you know, so we, we try to keep those relationships going and, sure. and, and save jobs for them, you know, when they, when they're giving us what they're expecting to do next year, yep. uh, you know, the two or three or four jobs they've got. And then we're like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll make sure we hold jobs open for one or two of your jobs. We kind of help them plan through that type of stuff. For sure. So. And I, and I would assume, and I I know this, but I mean I'm going to ask it anyway. You you guys have got a real good relationship with both. I mean all the irrigation con, you know companies as well, uh, Rainbird, Toro. I mean you you're not you're not exclusive to one or the other, and, and a lot of that comes in with um, you know what the irrigation consultant is designing or what the superintendent might want and some of those sort of things. But I mean you guys pretty uh, pretty much are uh, have great relationships with those, don't you? We we do. Yeah. Uh, we we've done. You know, there's times that it's, it seems like we'll go a year or two and we're putting in mostly Toro stuff. Sure. Then the next year we put in mostly Rainbird stuff. We've been accused of, of from both sides that we're, <laughs> we lean toward Toro. That's kind of why I was asking that question. That we, yeah, we lean toward Rainbird. It's kind yeah. of funny you know, to yeah. see uh, what, what we've got a really good relationship with both of them. Yeah. And kind of what we've told them was, look, it's our job to sell not irrigation. It's your job to sell Toro or sell Rainbird. Right. And they, they like that. And, but you know, the thing that, that we've always said is, is if somebody brings us to the dance, then, you know, we try to help those guys out. I mean, uh, there's been times where, you know, one of them has told us about the job and is working with it and trying to get us in there. And that's who we work with, you know, and, and, and both sides know that, but, that, that doesn't happen a lot. Most, most of the time it goes through consultants, you know, and, um, and, you know, the bid process, you know, happens, you know, where there's three or four contractors that are bidding the work and all that. But, sure. uh, no, it, it, we're in, you know, good friends with both of them. And, you know, uh, again, as a superintendent, uh, the, that you guys out there know that, you know, if you, if you've worked with Toro, a bunch over the years and you'd lean that way or you've had rainbird at every course you've ever been. And that's the way you lean. I mean, I, I, I see that from the superintendents. It's yeah. just their comfort level yeah. on who they've dealt with for the majority of their career. That's, that's, yeah. that's who they consider, you know, when they're going into a, a, a project and, uh, you know, I usually, you know, talk to them about that, you know, what's yeah. been in your experience and, you know, which way are you leaning? And, uh, you know, so most of them, you know, you know that have been doing it for a while, usually, lean one way or the other, but the good ones listen to both sides. Sure. Well, I yeah. think, I think you're, you're smart to do that. I mean, it's yes. easy to be comfortable with one over the other, but I mean, as technology changes, as things improve, uh, and services, you know, go up or down, I mean, it's only smart to keep your eyes open and keep your mind open to other possibilities and not be closed off. I mean, it's right. easy to get, it's easy to say, I'm, I'm just dealing with this person. You know, maybe you have a relationship with a salesman or something like that. And there's so many things we could probably get into that, you know, take us deep in the weeds, but you're right. I mean, you know, the good superintendents and I'm not saying that not everybody doesn't consider it, but some people just say, I'm, I'm, I'm 
purely Rainbird, I'm purely Toro, and uh, that's what I'm going with. And that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you see that. And 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 sometimes those guys have great relationships with with a certain distributor. Yep. You know, they've always dealt with, you know, say in Tennessee, Smith Turf, or you know, you know, down in Florida, they've always dealt with uh, FIS or or Hector or. You know, I understand that, you yeah. know, or, or Wesco, you know, I understand that. And, uh, you know, you've got a great relationship with that distributor and that, then go for it. That's, yep. you know, that's, that's your decision. You, you've worked with them for 20 years and, and they've never let you down. I, I agree. Yeah. You know, let, let, let them take care of you for the next 25, 30 years. So, yeah, I, yeah, I understand those things too. And, and, and that's part of the distributor and Toros and Rainbird's responsibility, you know, yeah. to build those relationships that, if they do it, go into a new project and we do the same thing. We sure. try to build those relationships too. And there's nothing better than to go into a project and, and you don't, you're not bid against competitors, right? you know, and we've had those situations and, and what, what I always tell those projects and the superintendents or the decision makers at the club, as we go through that is I'm going to be fair to you. I'm going to, give you the bid for this job just like i'm bidding the work against four other competitors the last thing i ever want to happen is you know if i'm if i'm dealing with a club and i'm and i'm the only contractor they're talking to and i give them a price and all of a sudden they think that's too high and they go out and get three other bids and want me to and then i, I come back and i gotta lower my number right you know what you know what do i look like i look yeah. like you know oh, okay okay you're trying to take advantage of us. Yeah. So I did the, 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 I always tell those guys, you know, the price that I'm giving you is the price that I'm winning other projects at. So, right. You know, I, I use the same spreadsheet and, uh, and, and so we've had good results with that. Uh, and I'm sure Toro and Rainbird do the same thing. Sure. Cause like I said, the last thing you want to have, have to have to have to happen is it gets rebid and you got to lower your price. And well, that's, and that's only a smart way to do it. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, you, you, you want to give the price that you're going to win the bid at. I mean, and, and act yeah. like you're going up against yeah. five contractors, not just your, you know, and, and right. if you can beat yourself or, or, and so to speak and say, I'm going to, this is, this is it. This is what we can do it for. Then you don't right. have to worry about it. If they say we need you to go back and no, no, this is it. I mean, this is where we're at. So I mean, that's only and a good it, way to do it. Well, I, I think that was something that I was able to help Steven at. Steven had come through the tough times of, you know, 09, 010, 11. Yeah where the economy was hurting and, and things. And so there for the first year or two, you know, it was all about winning the job. Right. And then I was like, Steven, yeah, we got to win the job, but we got to win it at the right price. Right. You know, we, we just winning the job doesn't matter. We got to make sure that we, and, and so at that point we were kind of like, you know, we need to figure out exactly, you know, what our costs are and, you know, bid these things, not just to win it, but to win it and make money and, you know, make money that we can pay everybody and pay ourselves. Sure. And, and, uh, cause there's some, you know, there's some companies out there that just, they're making enough money to, to make payroll. And, you know, we've got a lot more expenses than just payroll. We got to make sure that, you know, that we, that we are making a good enough return on our investment right? in our, in our time. Yeah. And, uh, and all that happened, it, it it all happened at the same time as, as we were discussing that the economy was getting better. There were more jobs. And so just all that happened at the same time for our company. So it, it just, it just worked out. 
you know, sometimes you got to have a little luck and sure, that, sure. that was a little luck and, yeah. with us. Well, I wanted to have you on to speak a, a little bit about what's going on with you uh, and everything. We've I've kept you uh, almost oh, a little over fifty minutes. Why? So we're going to wow! This thing's gonna, I can't believe it. I can't gonna, believe that. Yeah, PJ. that's all right, man. I, I, it was good stuff. I um, but you know, I, I wanted to share uh, what's going on with the transition. Talk about Stephen a little bit. Talk about the business, and it sounds like everything is going well. Uh, it's continued success for everything. I know it's going to be a transition not having Steven around anymore, uh, you know, and that's going to be hard for you to not talk about him, not mention his name. I mean, I don't know if you can ever do that, but uh, yeah. just wanted to uh, have you on and uh, speak a little bit about that and then get, you know, you know, do a little promoting for you guys and, and also talk about you and how your role is in the, in the company and, and uh, what's going on uh, with uh, Chris moving in. So I appreciate you uh, doing that. I'm not going to let you go without talking a little golf before I go because we, we've had you on here long enough. But uh, I, I do appreciate you uh, coming on. And I'm going to uh, – for everybody, I'm going to um, – after this, after this, your little talk, I'm going to uh, go right into my previous episode that I had with uh, Stephen to just kind of put it back out there for people to listen to so they can get kind of both sides of everything. Well, I appreciate it. BJ and, and hopefully talking with you, you can see my passion, how sure. much I enjoy what we do. And it's like, like I think I told you, but it's best decision I ever made yep. business wise. And it's been a lot of fun and, uh, just, yeah, we'll, we'll miss Steven and, and, uh, uh, you know, he, we, we'll, we'll think about him. Yep. And like I said, all along, just the best thing we can do for his legacy is to keep his company rolling along. Like, like nothing ever happened. And that's sure. what I would want. You know, if something ever happened to me, that things just kept on going and yeah. we, we put such a good team together that, you know, we don't miss a beat. So, but I, yeah, thanks, thanks for doing it, BJ. Yep. And, you know, Steven talked about it. Like I told you, man, he loved doing that podcast with you. He talked about it all the time and, uh, uh, you know, just, he thought it was a neat thing and, 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 just he really enjoyed it, so I'm, I'm glad you, you reached out and we got to do this. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Wow, absolutely. And um, you know, anything I can ever do, if I don't know if I can, but if there's anything I can ever do to help or you know, just whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. I'm I'm always you know willing to listen or talk or fight through something. You may not need my help at all, but I just wanted to throw that out there and and just say um, you know I'm. I enjoy the business. I enjoy the the industry, and and uh, always happy to try to give back. That's kind of my passion these days. Is more about helping people and and uh, maybe uh, helping myself along the way. So you know, just just throwing that out there for you. Well, thank you, BJ. Appreciate it. Well, how's your uh, how's your golf game? You, you uh, playing it? You playing it all? Uh, it it goes up and down. I, I don't have a average game anymore. If my game is on, I can play good and shoot yep. under par yep. and. But if it's off, then it's a eighty. It's uh, you know, <laughs> my when I used to play well, yeah, years ago, that was the key to my game. I was consistent, sure. you know, and uh, all that. Can, I don't know if it's age or lack of playing very much, but it's not consistent anymore. Like I said, you know, there's times I go out and I can tell right off the bat, warm it up in the first tee. Okay, it's going to be a good day, yeah. and then I can tell right off the bat too if it's not going to be a good day. So. I know. Okay, my chipping and putting's got to be working over sure, time today, sure. type thing. But that, no, I still enjoy it and uh, love playing with my yeah. buddies in Tullahoma out at Lakewood. I enjoy playing with my son, who's a very good golfer. He won the state four ball last year and was runner up in the state amateur. He plays at Belmont. Nice. And uh, try to get my other son, who grew up playing a little golf, but he 
uh, uh, doesn't play very much anymore, right. but, uh, he, he's got other interests that, that I enjoy. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's all for fun. Now I, I play in maybe one or two tournaments a year yeah. and it, and it has to be a best ball tournament, something that I got a partner in <laughs> that, uh, I, I don't have to, I don't have to post my score. So. I I, that's exactly the way I am. I, I'm so yeah. inconsistent. It's not even funny. I don't play near as much as I used to. I'm actually going this weekend for a golf trip up to Fairfield Glade. So I'm excited about that. I got a bunch of buddies that are going to play golf and just have a get away from it for a little oh, bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I got to go hit balls on the range this afternoon or something. I hadn't swung a club, and I don't think since probably November. <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes that helps. Though. It does. Sometimes it my, does. I forgot all my bad stuff. And, it does. Uh, I come out and I'm like, oh, okay, yep. and then play the next day. Oh, okay, I remember the bad stuff now. Yeah, it's it's a hack fest. So. I hear you. Well, again, Clay, man, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for doing this. I, I kept you long enough, and uh, but I wanted to uh, say thanks, and uh, it's good catching up with you. Um, yeah, and, uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up again soon. And uh, yeah, till then, man, just uh, keep plugging along and uh, tell everybody I'm thinking about them. And uh, best wishes to you, man. Stay safe out there too. Yeah, thanks, BJ. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Clay, appreciate it, man. Take care. See you. Bye. See you. All right, everybody. Um, that was Clay Usselton. Uh, appreciate him. He's the partner with uh, Nut Irrigation, who was Stephen Nutt's partner. I touched on it in the beginning that um, Stephen passed away suddenly, and I wanted to have Clay on to just speak about uh, his role with Nut Irrigation, some of the things that are going on in the transition, and um, really just appreciate Clay spending the time with me this morning uh, as I was recording this, um, and we just uh, talked about uh, what's going on with Nut Irrigation and Stephen and, and his sudden passing. So uh, I'm going to roll into his uh, episode of the uh, podcast uh, here, followed up by, you know, uh, uh, following up my talk with Clay. But uh, and if you've listened to it, cool. I just wanted to re-put it out there because uh, Stephen uh, was a good friend of mine, uh, someone I looked up to. Uh, talked about it a little bit with uh, Clay about how much, uh, you know, I enjoyed working with him and things like that. So if you've heard it, um, you know, uh, you know, by all means, I'll, you can check out and, and uh, listen to it again if you want. Or, uh, but just again, if, you, uh, if you've known Stephen, uh, ha had any chances of working with him, uh, you knew what kind of person he was. And so um, just um, thinking about him and uh, wanted to do something special for him. So I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, thanks again. That was Clay Usselton with uh, the Nut Irrigation, who's partnered with Stephen, uh, like I said. So, And uh, ne until next time, uh, I'll talk to you soon and enjoy Stephen Nut's episode. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Again, but uh, today you're going to enjoy this one. It's going to be a fun podcast i'm down here in tullahoma tennessee and we're talking with the owner of nut irrigation Stephen nut how you doing my man doing good man doing good well i appreciate you opening up your home and uh doing this and uh, i think we're gonna have a lot of fun talking and chatting and it's good to good to see you again yes sir good to see you and happy to have you here yeah, i appreciate I'm glad it. you came down i appreciate it well but you know before we get into it um tell me a little bit about uh all your, you know, how you got involved with uh, irrigation, where you kind of came from. Tell the tell people that might not know who you are or might be hearing this for the first time just a little bit about you and 
And, um, you know, it could be a long, drawn-out story, but we'll talk about some things in the middle. And uh, I know a lot about you. We've kind of had a relationship over the years, but uh, it's been a while. So tell the people out there uh, a little bit about yourself and All how right. you got to be the owner of Nut Irrigation. Well, it is. It's a, you know, it's kind of a crazy story, but I was, uh, I was in my third year at the uh, University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Never had a major was just hanging out, going to football games, having a big time, and completely floundering and wasting my dad's money. And I had dated who, Ashley, who's now my wife, I had dated her for a brief period in high school, and her father was the owner of a golf course irrigation company, A&F Irrigation. Yeah. And so when I was here at UT, and I kind of, you know, some things changed, and I I realized that I was wasting my time and my father's money. And I had a, a good friend of mine, uh, Robbie Carr, that was working for my future father-in-law at the time. And I would talk to him occasionally. He was out in Denver, Colorado, doing a golf course for the guy that owns Remax Realty and traveling. Your lodging was paid for. They were working 70 hours a week. He had more money than he knew what to do with. <laughs> And I was at college, floundering, like I said, and broke. Right. And there was something really appealing about that to me. And my dad had made it clear most of my life, once I was done with college, whether it be graduation or however I ended college, that was it. Yeah. You know, and so I just kind of had an epiphany. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to change things up. And so I called Tommy Abbott, who years later became my father-in-law and yeah. and I told him I said Tommy I'm I'm leaving college I'm quitting school I need a job and so he said all right well just holler at me when you get back in town and I did and he sent me to the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania on a Jack Nicholas course there was solid rock and I was making six dollars and fifty cents an hour and I have never worked so hard <laughs> In all my life, yeah. but it kind of spurred from there, and I worked for him for, I guess, about nine, maybe almost ten years, and I'd worked my way up through his company, you know, pipe man, wire man, assistant, supervisor, project manager, and sure. uh, I was at that point in 2003, and his company was kind of dwindling down, and you know, going to the wayside, and he was going to do something different, and so I started making plans. I designed my logo. I talked to an insurance guy, had a, my insurance set up. I went to uh, Orange County there in Orlando, Florida, and took the test, got my irrigation license, and then when he finally hung it up, I, I finished the job we were on yeah. for A&F under Nut Irrigation, it was a job for the Marriott, and White's Golf was the general contractor, and I did the last few holes of that, and and then it's just kind of taken off from there, yeah. you know. And it, really, 2004 is is when we was when I got my first big job, big contract on my own, and yeah. it, you know, it's a lot of luck and a lot of help from other people. What was the what was the first contract that you did? Breakers West Golf Club in uh, West Palm Beach, yeah. and it's it was a Reese Jones course. Uh, like I said, a lot of luck, and then there was guys, you know, like Mike Pignato, irrigation consultant, yeah. 
I was 28 years old at the time. I'd done several jobs with him when I was with ANF, but it took Mike Pignato standing in front of the board for a club like Breakers West, and they have the Ocean Course and then the West Course. It's a high-end community sure. still to this day. And But he stood there and told the board that this guy can do it. He can handle it. I've got confidence in him. And then other guys like uh, John Getz was uh, – running everything for Hector Turf at the time, the Toro distributor. So for a guy like him to convince his owners, the Mantis, to extend in excess of a million dollars worth of credit to somebody with no sort of credit history like that. Right. I've done good paying for cars or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, to, to extend me the credit, and so a lot of, a lot of help. Yeah. But these people said they believed in me, and we did that one, and... It's it's just kind of it's gone from there. Yeah, sometimes you, that's all you need is somebody to believe in you, and, you, and you're just ready to rock and roll. Really, and I'm I'm still grateful to this day. Yeah, and got, I have great relationships with both those gentlemen, and it's yeah. you know I, I've I've never forgotten. Yeah, how much I needed them at that time, and they and they stood up for me, and it's it's worked out well. Man, that's awesome. So, what did, did you say? What you studied? Did you go? You went to UT. Did you say what you studied? I didn't. You didn't finish. Study. I never had a major. Oh, I never had a major. So, you, did you just drop out? Or I did. Yeah. I did. I just dropped out. I told my dad I was taking a break. Yeah. And um, I had actually broken up with a girlfriend. I called my dad in tears. Told him I was taking a break, and you know, and through all that, he said, he said, I understand. You know, and he yeah. said, you know, our agreement. You're welcome to come here and stay at the house for two weeks. And actually, I need you to come home because I have insurance papers for your car and sure. other things. And uh, great dad, but he, he was very clear long before I made this decision how it was going to go. And, yeah. and looking back, I'm, I'm grateful for that, too. Yeah, because if I could have floundered on his couch for six months, I might have. Right. But it wasn't an option. Well, I mean... You know, you never know how life turns out, but that's how, you know, sometimes those types of decisions come and they're staring and you don't, and you don't know at the time that that's the best thing you need. But it, look at how it's turned out for you. I, mean, I you know. Can't. I know. It's, I'm really grateful. Blessed. Yeah. Well, so what, what, what are you currently doing now? What are some of the things you're working on right now? Right now, we are, uh, we're doing a 27-hole project in Naples, Florida, Pelican Bay. Yeah. And uh, it's a very aggressive schedule. We're working under a glaze golf, and we have three months to irrigate 27 holes. And we're one month into that yeah. and uh, making great progress. One of my best project managers I have, a gentleman named Polo, is, is running that one. And in the first month, they've done 18 holes of mainline and eight holes of heads. Yeah. So we're a little ahead of schedule. We're doing Bonita Bay in Bonita Springs, just north of Naples. And that's the third project we've done for Bonita Bay. Have a wonderful relationship with that club and and uh, their employees, and they've still got two more to go. So yeah. that one's been a huge blessing and a whole bunch of work. Yeah. Um, we are just now getting started on, uh, believe the current name is Lakewood Ranch 1000. It's a new construction which is much more rare these yeah, days. that is rare. Um, but it's in Sarasota, Florida, and we're working with Ryan Golf, and I believe, I hate to misspeak on here, but 
I believe it's for Lennar Homes. Um, but we're a subcontractor to Ryan Golf, working on that one. Yep. Then we're doing Quail Ridge Country Club in Boynton Beach, Florida, on the other coast. And um, that one's that's been going for about a month and a half, going smooth. We're doing now, do you have crews at all these different ones? Or, or Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have project managers, superintendents, yeah. and, and full crews. Sure. And uh, we just started up again. There was a minor pause. At a, it's a Jack Nicholas signature design in Boca Raton, Florida, via Meisner Golf Club. We just got started again last week on that one. And then we are on a, uh, a job with Medalist Golf out in Branson, Missouri. And that one is... Uh, we're working, the owner of that is Johnny Morris, the guy that owns Bass Pro and Cabela's. Yeah. And Tiger Woods is the architect. Nice. And we've got about three holes in the driving range left to go there, and we just entered into our third year working on that project. Yeah. It's an unbelievable construction project. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. But what they're doing out there in Missouri is, is really amazing. Have you got to spend any time with Tiger? Has he been there? I saw him one time, one of his visits, and I was at the Medalist Golf Construction Trailer, and he and Johnny Morris walked in front of my truck, and as bad as I wanted to jump out and shake yeah. both their hands and everything, that's just not yeah. what I do in that situation. So I've not met him. Yeah. I've not spent any time with him personally. Um, yeah. But he's there, and truthfully, you know, it'd be great to meet him and shake his hand, but I'm tickled pink just to have the work. Well, if you're listening, Tiger, and see your irrigation guy. No, I had to ask. A beat I mean, up I, black yeah. truck. Yeah, <laughs> come over. I'll be happy to yeah. shake your hand. Well, um, have you heard any of the podcasts before? I have. Yeah. I have. I've, I've heard, uh, I believe it's two of them. Yeah. The one you had with Brad Marcy. Yeah. And um, now I could be misspeaking. You were speaking on one of your podcasts to somebody about Sweeten's Cove. Yeah, Brent Robertson. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, that was it. I listened to that one as well, and I picked those up off of you on Twitter, and they caught my ear because I had done yeah. both of those projects. Yeah. So, yeah, I was interested. So those are the two that I've listened to, yeah. Well, I've had fun uh, doing these, and I've sat down with a bunch of different guys in our industry, and, and we've just talked to sh shop and golf, and a lot of that's been, you know, a lot of past experiences and things. But I know um, – you know, getting you on here is, is is going to be informational for a lot of people who may be going through an irrigation renovation or considering one. So one of the things I'd like to do is kind of walk through your side of it and sort of, and I can kind of interject on, because we've worked together on a, on some projects and, and Brad, you work with Brad and, you know, some local guys. But so what are the things that if, how, when do you become involved um, how do you get to be in part of the process and some, what are some of the things that might set you guys out apart if somebody's considering doing a renovation? Most of the time we get involved either through the irrigation consultant slash designer. Sure. Or we hear about it from the material suppliers, whether it be Toro, Rainbird, uh, either side, you know, we got a lot of relationships on both sides of that all over the, right. Southeast, really all over the east, eastern half of the U.S. Um, so that's typically where we hear about it. So we come a little later in the process. Yep. Most of the time, when I become aware of a job, they've already hired a, an irrigation consultant, and the design is either being done or just about to be done. 
and at that point we'll catch wind of it or be invited yeah. to be a part of the bid list, and, and then we get involved. Now, occasionally we'll be on the front end of all that if I have a past relationship. Right. You know, if somebody else in Murfreesboro is thinking about doing something and Brad Marcy tells them he had a good experience with us, yep. then – you know, I may get involved, and I may recommend a consultant or designer to them, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. Usually, you know, we're kind of the second or third cog after the designer, then the distributor, right? and then we'll be involved. Do you have a lot of relationships? I'm assuming you do have relationships with several irrigation consultants. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I would, and I would, I would say... If, I, if somebody's listening, my recommendation would be to go that route. I mean, you might... Uh, as far as when you're getting ready to do an irrigation project, um, unless you don't, unless you know Stephen personally, I would say hiring a consultant to walk you down this path is probably, is in my opinion, the best route to go. Yes, I, I totally agree. I mean, and I'll give back when we first got started. When I worked for A and F, and when I first got started, there were, you know, there was a decent percentage of the jobs that. Uh, we may end up contracting direct with them yeah. and they just had a design, whether it was from a distributor or a consultant or a designer, but they didn't have the him hired in a consulting role. Right. And we would flag the heads and, you know, once we got on site, we would do everything. Right. And we're capable of doing that. And but it's very rare now. Like Pelican Bay, I mentioned down in Naples, um that that club's been Toro forever. They decided they wanted to go with Wesco Turf. Wesco Turf provided them a design. They hired uh, Sean Hyduck with AquaTurf to do the design for them, and then we got the contract. But at this day and age, rather than us flag it and do a lot, we hired Sean yeah. under our contract to do all the staking, the programming, the GPS, all that, uh, so yeah, that's yeah, that's just how we. I mean, we do. it keeps it separate because you know if if my se if the contractor or the distributor is in charge of the design and the flagging of the heads, not that any of us would be dishonest, but it's yeah. it's a conflict of interest, right? You know, and by a, a club hiring a consultant, they're paying him, and he's designing and looking out for their interests, right? The whole time, and even if you know. If you hire us, we're an honest contractor, but there's still a could be a perceived conflict there. Right. And so I, I like the consultant route. This may be hard or difficult to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. How do you feel like the 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 selection of the products go in your line of work? Do you see that being a superintendent decision? Um, is it how, is it a preference for the superintendent, maybe somebody at the club, or is it a distributor that gets involved, or is it a combination of a lot of things? It's definitely a combination of a lot of things that can a lot of times include politics. Yeah. But when it goes right and proper in my mind, the superintendent's preference definitely is a, is a big weighing factor. Right. And behind his closed doors, he's discussing that with his at least his board, sure. if not broader membership, because a lot of times they're really close, but not every time. Yeah. 
So that's where the board and the members need to be involved because it's their money yeah. that's being spent. Um, so that's that's where I think it needs to come from. Now, if they come in and you can kind of throw a hat over the numbers and they're really close, that's where the superintendent's preference and comfort level right. come in. And, you know, and I, I told probably two different clubs this last week, I tell them all the time, whether it be Rainbird or Toro, if we put it in, it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to work. They, they both work, and you're not going to have a problem. I always recommend these guys base their decision, even outside of their preference, take a strong look at your distributor. Because that, you're marrying us, in a sense, for the, the next year to five years, depending on the install and our warranty period. Yeah. But you're marrying that distributor for the life of your <laughs> irrigation system. Sure. You know, and they're giving you the parts you need to maintain it and, and a lot of tech support at times if yeah. there's problems or lightning strikes or so, you know, they need to take a hard look at distribution because it, that matters to me a lot more than the strict Rainbird or Toro decision. And I only say that because Rainbird and Toro both have good products that sure. work really well. They're highly competitive and they both work. Yeah. So, you know, I can't, advocate or bash on either one of them but yeah. distribution plays a big role yeah I, I i tend to agree wholeheartedly i mean it's really comes down to that when service i mean that's that's where i i believe a superintendent's preference comes from who they've worked with in the past who they're more comfortable with who they might have a relationship with a salesperson mm -hmm. i mean that tends to be where that preference comes into play um and so you know when you get down to it, that's they're going to go with who they are comfortable with. More yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, and and they should because you know there's a lot of clubs where I may have just heard of this country club for the first time two months ago, yeah. and I'm involved and I'm bidding their project, but there may be a Toro or a Rainbird salesman that's been servicing this club for twenty or more years. Yeah, and. You know, so if the superintendent is deriving a preference from his experience there, whether it be good or bad, it's extremely valid, Yeah, in my opinion. Do you ever come across any situation, I'm sure you have, you don't have to mention names, but where you're just like, I'm going this regardless. I mean, this is what, I'm, this is what I want. This is what I'm coming. Have you come across situations like where that? Where I'm thinking that or the no, club? No, the, the club. I'm, oh, I'm taking yeah. you out of that decision. Yeah, I yeah. don't assume you have a, a say in that. No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, um, but yes, yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time. And just like I mentioned in instances where, you know, if there's a, a salesman and a distributor and they've been servicing this club for 20 years and – He's been out there late at night or on weekends or, yeah. you know, just really doing a great job. Then they come up for a big renovation of their irrigation system, and they're like, no, we want this guy. I mean, yeah. I see that quite often. Yeah. Quite often. I would suspect, I mean, golf, golf was really booming in the early 90s to throughout the 90s. I mean, golf, they were building golf courses left and right. Yes. And this, the, we're getting on, what, 30 years now? Mm -hmm. You know, pretty much. I, and what, what do you what do you tell people the recommend, the lifespan of, say, an irrigation system is? They, now, the processes may be different now, but back then they were pretty much all PVC in the ground. You know, wires got to, you know, 
fade out over time. You got heads that are going to – so, uh, I mean, a lot of people are facing this situation, I would assume. Oh, Golf yeah. courses that have been built in the 90s are saying, you know, we got we probably got to do something. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, there's a lot of superintendents. Some of them are really on their game, and they track – their expenses, what they're spending, fixing yeah. leaks yeah. and dealing with problems. And to present that as an argument right. to their board and their membership that, we, hey, we got to do something. But, yeah, I mean, you know, 25, 30 years for the systems that were installed back then yeah. is is when they the problems start to become so many that it makes sense to do something. So how, how – in how long do you guys usually warranty? Does it, is it happen to you have a specific pretty, time frame or pretty standard? Most of our the specs that come out for us to bid against or with um, call for a one year warranty. Yeah. Now with the HDPE, we see a lot of some of them are just straight up five year warranty on everything, but. A lot of them were seeing a five-year warranty on the fusion and the pipe and yeah. things like that, where it may be one year elsewhere. But then Toro and Rainbird are offering five-year warranties on heads and swing joints. And so it was very standard for years past that it was one, but we're starting to see a lot of fives now yeah. in the warranty period. And we've always, uh, you know, we hold pretty – firm if uh you know if somebody has a problem on a job that i've done yeah and it's just straight up something that was our fault we go fix it yeah and you know and a lot of times we'll get the call because we're the guy they know and the relationship they have right whether they plan on us fixing it for free or not we'll go fix it but once we do and we realize what it is that'll determine well do we send them a bill or not sure now if one of their guys dug through it with a mini x we'll fix it for them and we'll send them a fair bill. Right. But if it was something that was just, you know, a faulty install or a mistake one of my guys made, we'll fix it and just yeah. make and it And you know away. pretty quickly if that's the case, don't you? Yeah. Typically. Yeah, usually it's pretty yeah. easy to tell what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, since you mentioned the HDPE and then that new process of of pipe and how, how that's kind of changed the irrigation, some of the nuances of that and what you have to kind of go through. And – and then for people that may not even know what it is, you might have to describe it a little bit. Okay, yeah, it's the the HDP, the, the you know high density polyethylene, and it's if anybody's ever seen the yellow pipes up on the side of the road for gas lines. I mean, the gas companies used it for years. Yeah, but it's making huge inroads into the irrigation industry, water, sewer for municipalities. I mean, you see it everywhere now. Yeah. Um, we put our first, the first HDPE system we installed was in 2009, and that was over here just outside of Franklin. And from that point to now, say we averaged over the whole course of time, we're a little bigger and do a little more work now, but for that whole course of time, I might have averaged six or seven jobs a year, mm -hmm. six to eight, and... Uh, from 2009 to, to now, we have probably installed four PVC systems, and the rest have all been HDPE. Yeah. And uh, those four we installed that way, uh, 
typically it's a it's the superintendent's decision because him and his staff are more comfortable with that. Right. And and I get that. Yeah. I get that. I, I've had several that felt that way coming in, but as we could talk to them about it and educate them about the, the HTP route, they decided to go that way because it's not as daunting as, as people think. Right. I mean, when we show up to do a job, we'll show up with large fusion machines and every kind of fusion machine you can imagine and it's probably, you know, on any individual job, we might have, we'll have in excess of $100,000 worth of fusion equipment. But I tell people all the time, when we go back to fix problems or leaks or breaks, I don't ever show up with a $60,000 fusion machine. I show up with a $3,500 electro fusion box that plugs into a generator and they sell couplings and T's and everything else. And you plug two leads in, scan it with a barcode like you're at the grocery store, and it burns it in. Yeah. And it's it's just like a repair coupling for PVC. You just hook the leads to it, scan it, and it burns it in instead of greasing the gaskets and hammering it back. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, it's definitely, it's taken over. It's the vast majority of the work, and it's, yeah. it's without a doubt what I would recommend. Uh, like, to bring Brad Marcy up again, they chose to go with PVC, and that was a huge system, especially right. for Middle Tennessee. But they had to because the water that comes into their course for them to irrigate with from their neighbor comes in at a higher temperature. Right. And there was some research out there suggesting that that would not mesh well with the HDPE. Yeah. And so they, they were forced because of that to go with PVC but just from my experience over my career, we go back to the HDP systems drastically less than we do the PVC for problems. Right. You know, pipes pushing out, rolled gaskets, whatever. Yeah. Um, the HDPs just, you know, it, it seems to be a better product for, especially for the golf course irrigation. I, I, I would agree. I mean, do you think that, um, there's just a level of comfort that some superintendents have as far as not really understanding all about the HDP. I mean, it was a learning curve for you. I'm, you know, and now you guys are masters at it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you guys may be the leaders in HDP installation. There, there probably is others, but there I mean, are. you guys are, you guys are, have been the ones that kind of took the ball and run with it. And, you know, I, I, I do – I think there's a lot of times guys question, what happens if it leaks? I don't have anything to fix it. I don't know what to do. That's and, the biggest and, thing right. we, we hear at where their fear comes from, and that's when I try to, you know, explain to them it's, it's not this big daunting yeah. thing to be fearful of. It's something your staff could be trained to do and – you know, as far as making repairs to the system, right. the staff could be trained to do that in, in a few hours. Yeah. And by the machine, you know, they could be fully invested for less than $5,000. And if they're going to go that route and put it in an HDP system, we'll include this tooling and everything as a part of the material bid when you've got people competitively bidding it. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to be in, if you're spending, you know, 800,000 to a million dollars in materials, you got $5,000 worth of electrofusion equipment in there right. just to serve your repair purposes later. Um, yeah, 
It's do y'all spend time with guys on on site teaching them, or do you go through that, or is that yes, something they we ask do. Um, the vast the vast majority of jobs we do still to this day, ten years later, yeah. most of our projects on the front end, it's in the the designer specification that we have to have on-site training for our crew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, some in the past kind of are naysayers about it. Well, we've been trained this many times. We've always had an open attitude about it. I think it's good. I want my crews to be sharp sure, and up on the latest because the training has changed over the years as the, you know, the manufacturers, McElroy, and that make the fusion equipment yep. or make the pipe, they learn things from all their field experience. And so they'll adjust their training. But so most jobs will have HDP training on site, yeah. um, last anywhere from a full day, to sometimes three days. And that's for our crew. But the superintendent and their staff, anybody they want on their staff, are always invited to attend, and most times they do. Right. Um, you know, and that that gives them the knowledge to deal with it after we're gone. But it also gives them the knowledge to know what we're doing while we're out there doing it. Yeah. You know, so they they got an educated eye on what we're doing every day. Yeah. Well, and we should. encourage it. That's yeah. you know, I'm all for it. Yeah. We always try to do the right thing and. And I don't mind questions, and, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. It keeps the quality for up. Sure, for sure. And you want your product, I mean, what you're putting out there, you want it to, you know, it says a lot about what you guys do, but to not have superintendents bad talk and thinking they made a, a bad decision, and it not just be because they didn't want to learn. You know, you want, right. them to, you want them to get in there and try to understand it because it is a new way of doing things. It's a better way of doing things, in my opinion, and, and it's the new way of ir- that irrigation is going in. So learning it is. it is part of the job, you know. Yeah, and, you know, we talked earlier about the lifespan of the systems put in in the 90s and before that and some even after that. You know, being 20 to 30 years, well, the lifespan on these now is 50 years plus. Yeah. You know, at least on the pipe and the HDP component. Yeah. You know, now you may run into the thing where your swing joints are wearing out before your pipe is or your yeah. heads. Or, right. You know. Because the swing joints, correct me if I'm wrong, are still PVC, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. are. That- they are. I know when we were doing the project at Brentwood, and you may not, I don't know if you saw the pump station, but, you know, we had, we ended up going HDPE, the flume pipe out to the lake, the well, and everything. So, mm-hmm. except for the little, uh, the Z pipe coming from the pump and then reconnecting, all that was HDPE, every bit of it yeah. was going out. Yeah, you know? and I mean, I'll bring up Pelican Bay again, because I was just looking at it with uh, another superintendent came by Pelican Bay last week. He's got a project coming up next summer, and he wanted to come out and see the products, watch what we were doing, get familiar with HDP and us. But they have a brand-new pump station installed there at Pelican Bay. Well, they had an existing corrugated wet well and PVC flume pipe. I assume the flume was PVC. I'm not positive. It could have been corrugated as well. But they had someone come in. Now, we didn't do this, but they had someone come in, and they lined their old wet well and their old intake with HDPE, yep. put a new pump on top of it. Then we tied on at the pump, ran a new HDPE Z-pipe, and the whole system's HDPE. Yeah. yeah. 
I think that's the that's golden right it there. It is. It yeah. is golden. And yeah. it's cheaper, drastically cheaper than blowing up what they had. Yeah. Digging in a new wet well and flume pipe and draining the lake. And yep. that's, you know, that can get to be some pretty heavy construction costs. And mm -mm, yeah. Just lined it all and now they're good for 50 years on on a wet well and flume that, you know, could be going bad in the next five. Yeah. So for someone that may be listening from a cost perspective, is there do you see a significant difference with PVC versus HDPE? And is that been a factor as far as someone choosing one over the other? Or does the 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 length of time that HDPE lasts kind of outweigh all that? How does that sort of play in for someone who's maybe considered? Well, um, to be honest, and some of this comes from our experience and the fact that we own all the fusion equipment and we've been doing it for years. Yeah. And, but it's not a straight-out straight bias to PVC, even though if we do PVC, we know we're going to go back more. Yeah. But straight-up cost, we put in HDP cheaper than we do PVC every time. If people want it bid both ways, it's like clockwork. We're going to be cheaper for HDP, and it's not all on the labor side. The HDP pipe itself is slightly more expensive than the PVC pipe itself if you're just looking at the two pipe quotes. Right. But then you factor in HDP fittings compared to ductile iron fittings, and you get a flip. Yeah. And, uh, and then you factor in the labor involved with HDP, because I can, you know, we'll show up at the beginning of the job and we receive 40,000 feet of mainline pipe from four inch through, you know, 18 inch. And we'll show up, I'll put two guys out there with a fusion machine on each side of them. And they'll fuse this one side, and there's a cool-down period after you press them together. So while they're waiting on the cool-down period for this machine, they spin around and get on the other machine and do everything and yep. face it and heat it and fuse it together. And then while it's cooling down, they flip around. I can put two guys out there with two machines, and we just start pumping out footage. They all show up in bundles that are 50-foot sticks. So right out of the gates... We'll go to fusion like crazy. I've got a lot of pictures, you know, yeah. where we've got four to six fusion machines out on a fairway with guys just fusing like mad. We'll turn all those 50-foot sticks into 500-foot sticks. So when we actually start the job and we start digging mainline, um, you know, we dig down the entire hole, we might have uh, one or two welds to make and we got 1,500 feet of pipe. Yeah. Fused together, they flop in the ditch. Now we got to put our feed valves and different things on there. Versus PVC, you dig the ditch, then you start bringing the pipe to it, stringing it out, getting it in the hole, hubbing it up every 20 feet. Um, I found the HTP takes less labor on my side. Yeah. But the labor you have now compared to the PVC day, it's a higher quality employee, right. more trained. Yeah. Um, you know, just there's, there's more detail and stuff in their job duty, but it takes less of them. I, I would think that that's opening to some people who may be considering doing this because of what you're talking about is the install is so much cleaner. You're doing things. You, you've got you've got prep and different things that you're trying to do. So when you're ready to rock and roll with the trenching and all that, I mean, 
it, it just goes so much cleaner and quicker. And, and I, I think people that hear this and say that PVC can't be cheaper or, you know, or HDP can't be cheaper and that, it, that they're virtually identical, they're going to be blown away by the fact that, yeah, you can put in HDP. It's a better, cleaner product. You're going to like it. You're going to appreciate it. It's going to be there longer. And given or give or take a few hiccups along the way, you're, you're going to be golden. And don't worry, and the price is not as big a factor. No, not at all. I mean, and you know, I actually had a conversation with a with a gentleman last week that was talking to me that I'd talked to a lot in the past, and they were on another job with another contractor, and they were pricing some things out, and he called me and he said, "Man, I thought you you know that uh, the HDP was slightly cheaper from talking to you," and I said, "Well, it is," and he said, "Well, I'm not getting this from." from this particular contractor. And this is a small job. Yeah. Um, and I asked him, I said, well, does he own any fusion equipment? And he said, well, no. And I said, well, there you have it. Yeah. If, if you're talking to somebody and all they've ever done is PVC and they don't own the fusion equipment and it's not cheap. Right. You know, then yeah, the PVC is going to be cheaper. Right. But if you talk to somebody like us and I've had several competitors are in the same boat, uh, competitors of mine, but you know, if you're all set up in it and you're fully capable of doing both, yep. it's been my experience that HDP is cheaper. It certainly is with us. Is, is that a reason they have to rent the fusion machines and all that, or how? Why is why is their cost more? Either either the having to rent the fusion machines with you know, if you got to rent one for more than like two or three weeks, yeah. if you can do simple math, you need to be buying it. Right. Um, but either that or they're just, or having to buy it. You yeah. know, if they're bidding a job and the customer's wanting them to price it both ways and they own no fusion equipment and they're going to have to go buy they're putting it in $80,000 worth of stuff, yeah. well, they're not going to bid the HDP. You know, they're going to recoup some of those costs. And I get that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did yeah. on one of my first jobs. Right. You're not hearing anything? I'm not anymore. I might have pulled it out. Um, hang on a second. Did I do it right there? I might have yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, folks. We got headphone issues. Just uh, reconnected back there. And All right. You good? You go. back online? Yeah. There you go. Um, so what made you decide to um, – I guess obvious, the obvious question here is buying the equipment was a, a decision because you knew this was what you were going to be doing most likely was the HDP. It was a hunch. I, yeah, it was – I was early on it. It was a hunch. I had seen – there had been a few ba uh, bids that had come out and that I wasn't involved with because I didn't do it. Right. Uh, in Florida, and most of those were golf courses in Florida that were being built on landfills, and it was gonna, they were anticipating massive settlement over the years, yeah. and so they were going to line it with, with an HDP or some kind of membrane, then build a golf course on top of it, and they wanted all the irrigation to be HDP so it could absorb the settlement without yeah. everything leaking everywhere. And I missed out on those, and um, but I at that point I'd started talking to people and learning about it. Well, then um, the this job over here and outside of Franklin, Tennessee, was coming up, 
and I wanted it really bad, and yeah. I ended up getting it. But so that's when I bid that job and I was awarded the contract and that's when I stepped out on the limb and I went, I think I spent about $120,000 and bought all the fusion equipment. Yeah. And that ended up being in 2009 at right Ooh. when the downturn hit us off. I mean, yeah. yeah, my timing was wonderful yeah. <laughs> as far as that goes to go, you know, borrow money and do that. Yeah. But now hindsight, I'm, I'm really happy I did it. Yeah. But that was kind of the reason why I, I had seen a few bids pass me by because we weren't into it. Yeah. And after talking and learning from people about it, it made a lot of sense for golf course installations because you think when you're putting an irrigation system in on the golf course, well, you're dodging tees, greens, bunkers, yep. drainage, cart paths, and all the other al obstacles that come up when right. we're doing it. You know, and with PVC, most of the time you're using fittings and bending around it. And when I saw this HDP was, you know, it took a lot of that out. Right. And, and it was a lot tougher, had a longer lifespan. So I kind of went with a hunch and just got lucky because yeah. it wasn't long after that our whole industry turned. Right. And we were already involved, thank goodness. Talk a little bit about how you – do you do you get a, the bid or the proposal and you have to work with it? Or I, I know that's not really the answer – the question I'm asking, but, like, every job is different. Every pro place is different. You touched on it about dodging different things. How involved are you in the routing of say the pipe and that, or is, or do you have to kind of work with what the, the irrigation consultant comes up with? And then you sort of formulate your proposal or your uh, bid after that. Yeah. I mean, that, cause the, there's the, always something rock. Oh, there's yeah. all kinds of different things you may not even know about. And so I want to, I want to talk, walk people through sort of, what might be involved with you coming up with, the, say, a particular number? Because, uh, you know, digging under cart pass, different things like that happen, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so a lot of times the the designer will put out the design for bid. Yep. And, you know, in most, most all cases, the designer has spent a lot of time on the site with the superintendent so there's a lot of that information that is included yep. as a part of the bid package to give us the knowledge of this is what you're bidding and this is what you're going to have to deal with. And then there's almost always a pre-bid meeting where we'll go and the designer will go through a lot of these points. You'll hear from the superintendent mm -hmm. and he can stress, you know, what his issues are, what he's really worried about or wants to make sure is done a certain way sure. and then we'll go out and ride the course and you know and that is what our bid is based on now once we get out there my project managers and superintendents will be dealing directly with the the entire maintenance staff and there's still a hundred other things if not a thousand other things that do come up because yeah. nobody knew this big rock shelf was there or you know, it wasn't until we got out there working and got locate tickets called in, you realize this gas line snaked all through six holes right. or things like that. So there's, you know, you learn about a lot during the bid process, and the, the designer has a lot of it figured out through conversations with the super, but then things always come up, Yeah. you know, and we just deal on site with the superintendent. Yeah. Um, and it's pr it's pretty rare something comes out like oh my gosh we've never seen that before <laughs> right 
You know, we've, a lot of it's pretty typical, and yeah. we even know to ask. Right. You know, if we don't see it in the, in the specifications or on the design, you know, there may be things that we've stubbed our toe on in the past and be like, hey, well, yeah. what about this? Yeah, I, I think you guys have probably done enough to know you, you're not going to be surprised by a whole lot. Not anymore. a whole lot. Yeah. But I won't say anything because <laughs> it'll happen next week That's right. if I talk too much. <laughs> so talk a little bit about the company overall, how it's set up. Um, talk a little bit about your relationship with Clay and you guys and how you guys are sort of set up. You've got a lot of projects going now. How many employees you got? What are you, what are you juggling from a business owner's perspective? Talk a little bit about that. Because I'm sure that's pretty much your, I mean, with everything you got going, you're you got to be bouncing around. So, oh yeah, talk a little bit about the business side of it. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. You know, and I told kind of the startup story how I got in the industry. Yeah. Well, and then I mentioned the job outside of Franklin. Um, I won't name any names that we did in 2009. It was our first HTP job. Mm -hmm. I'd bought over a hundred thousand dollars worth of fusion equipment to do it, and at this time, I was the sole owner of the company. Um, and I, I remember sitting on that job site thinking to myself how smart I was that I had dodged this whole housing crisis, you know, yeah. and my business was in good shape. Just everything was great. And it wasn't soon, it wasn't too long after that, that we stopped getting paid on that project. And what had happened was these owners had purchased the property in 2007 and they had gone and they had gotten a 25 million dollar loan to develop the neighborhood and build the golf course and put all the infrastructure in street power water sewer well they had permitting issues so they didn't get started in 2008 so we got going in 2009 yeah. and we worked all year 2009 doing it well it was in one of the two banks charters that they couldn't lend any money if the appraisal on the property was more than two years old. So they came in July of 2009, did a new appraisal, and because of the housing market debacle in the entire United States, sure. the ratios were out of whack, and they froze the funding. They wouldn't lend another dollar. They had already lent 20 of the $25 million, and we only had three or four holes left to go. Yeah. We chose to go ahead and finish, thinking there was hope of getting paid if we got it grassed out, but we didn't. I didn't get paid my last $187,000 on that job. Well, then the summer of the spring of 2010, I had at this time, I was a two-job-at-a-time company. I had two jobs lined up for the summer of 2010, and the last week in February, I'll never forget it, both of those jobs called me. They had verbally awarded the jobs to me, but I didn't have contract. Right. Both of those projects called me in the same week and told me they had decided to wait and postpone their project because of the housing crisis, banking mess. Yep. And so I had no work the summer of 2010. So I'd been beat out of the 187000 I'd bought a hundred and something thousand dollars worth of fusion equipment. I had no work for the next several months. I let go every employee I had except for one, and he lived here in Tullahoma with me. I fired my local mowing guy, and he and I mowed grass on some properties and stuff I owned that summer. Yeah. So 
I had a job for the fall of 2010 at Stonehenge Country Club in Crossville. Mm-hmm. And that was no easy project, let me tell you. Um, So I went to a local bank here in town because I was mortgaged to the hilt, and I had no money. And I needed money to operate on to do this job, and that's where I'd known my partner, Clay Esselton, all my life. Uh, He was my older sister's age, and we'd always known each other, but he was president of the bank at the time that I went to. And he got me a $100,000 line of credit, and we started doing that job. And a little, you know, as 2010 went on, we got into early 2011, he asked me to go to lunch one day, and he told me that uh, he'd always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. He played golf at the University of South Carolina. He he really wanted to be in the golf industry, and that he was about to uh, leave the family business there of a of the bank and uh, he wanted to buy half my company. And so a little later that year, Clay and I partnered up in 2011. And, um, you know, so that's how the two of us got together. Sure. And we had, we had agreed at that point um, that, and it worked out perfectly and it still does to this day, that he was going to take more of the administrative role and the office role. He was going to bid the work and do the billings, and, and do all those sorts of things, and I was going to manage the field. And it was a huge blessing. Not only did it give me some more credit, because I couldn't have borrowed $10 from somebody at right. that point if I had to, which he freed that up for us, made operations a lot easier. Right. But also, this whole time I had owned the company by myself, I was never in the field like I wanted to be. I was never doing what I wanted to do and what I was good at. Right. I was bidding jobs and going to pre-bids and trying to get the billings out and deal with the banks and you know, and I I was not happy. Yeah. I did lot I did not like my role. And so Clay was fi- he wanted to do those things. Yeah. That's what he was really comfortable with. I was really comfortable with the equipment and the guys and the field and the install. And so that was our agreement up front, and it still remains intact to this day, and it has worked wonderfully. Yeah. You know, and we don't, we don't share a lot of the same skills. We complement each other that's what make great partner. That's it, what make great partnerships. It has. I mean, it has. If you go, both had the same skill set, it wouldn't work. Right? Yeah, it would be a lot of redundancy. Yeah. You know, but he does his thing, and I do mine, and together um, – I can't tell you, I'm so blessed, Yeah, you know, that, that he, was, he was wanting to make that move and thought enough of me and my company, because he, he could see my books, obviously. I'd done this line of credit with him, so sure. they had access to everything. And yeah. He even told me, he's like, man, you've got a good company here, and you guys have done well. It's just, you took a bad beat right. last fall. So he had the faith in us to, to come on and do it, and, and that's worked great. And at the time... Um, at the time we partnered up, I think the company was about $1.2 million in debt, and we were doing about two jobs at a time. And now we have absolutely no debt. We've been that we've been debt-free for a couple of years, and that was our goal, sure. and we want to stay that way. And, and we've got crews on six projects. Yeah. And so it's, it's been great, you Do know. You, now, how are your crews set up? You have you, – you, 
touched on a little bit before. You got project managers and superintendents, and and then are those crews stay with each other? Or they, you know, or do you intermingle them a lot? How does that work? Where yeah, you? typically they they stay together. There's a lot of intermingling. All my crews and project managers know the others, yeah. and odds are most of them have worked together. Yeah. Um, now they're all your employees, right? They are. They're yeah. all our employees. Yeah. We put them up in housing everywhere we go, depending yeah. on where we go. Um, but it's it's worked out great. I've got uh, I've got four project managers right now. In uh, I've got Joe Pless, who's a good friend of mine here from Tullahoma. He's been with us for about a year and a half. I've got Chris Hartman. He's been with me yeah, since no Chris. 2011. Yep. Chris and I worked together way back in the NF days. We both worked for my father-in-law, yeah. and he's as solid as they come. Then I've got uh, I've got Jason Whitson works for me. He owned his own irrigation company in Atlanta, and he came to work for me several years back because his market in Atlanta, he didn't go much outside of that. His market in Atlanta was slow at the time, and we were busy in Florida, yeah. and he came on board, but he enjoyed so much doing the field and what he does and not having to worry about payroll and banking and chasing work that he's just, he stayed with us. Yeah. I've got another project manager, Rich Young, who owned his own irrigation company, he actually sold Jason that irrigation company. Right. Uh, just all wonderful guys. And then uh, to complete that, you know, we've got a group of guys that I ran across. One more stroke of luck. But in 2011, we were doing the golf course up here for the University of Swanee. And the, the superintendent from Breakers West, when I did that, um, Brad called me, and I didn't recognize his number, um, but he called me up out of the blue the winter of 2011, and, and he said, hey, man, he said, uh, I just took the job as the superintendent for the Blue Monster at Doral, and they're going to renovate starting next year everything out here, but they're going to do the red course and the gold course, and uh, he said, and you're in a good spot. I told him how great you were. We got a good relationship. Yeah. I want you to do it. And I told him when, when he told me that, I said, well, Brad, that sounds great. And I've been invited to bid it. I said, but I've got two jobs next summer, and I've got two crews. And so I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. And he's like, man, you got to figure it out. you got to be able to do it. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. I hung up with him. Well, probably three or four days later, Polo Navarro called me, and I had worked on the same job with Polo in the late 90s down at Boca Hotel and Resort. He was for one company, I was for another. They were doing mainline, I was doing laterals. Polo called me out of the blue. He had been working for George Jones, DNK Sprinklers in South Florida for years and years. Well, George was getting up in age and was wanting to retire, and at this point, he had officially was going to retire, and he had told all his guys, I'm out. And it's one of the biggest compliments I've ever had in this industry. George Jones told Polo, he's like, you guys need to call Stephen Nutt. He's about your age. Y'all can work a long time together. And he's honest in his dealings. And for George, a guy like George to give me that kind of, to refer his employees to me, and they were more like his sons. Right. It was a huge compliment. So Polo called me, and he, two or three days after the superintendent, 
had called me and he said, hey, Stephen, it's Polo. We kind of caught up for a few minutes. He said, are you bidding Doral? I said, well, you know, I've been asked to. As a matter of fact. I'm on the bid list. <laughs> I said, but Polo, I got two crews and I already got two jobs. He said, oh, no. He said, you bid it. I got the people. We'll do it for you. I said, Polo, this, they're doing the red and the gold course. They're doing 36 holes. Donald Trump just bought it, and he wants to do it in four months. And that's typically what we do 18 holes in, yeah. you know. And he said, oh, no problem. I said, Polo, it's going to take like 40 or 50 people. He said, I got them, man. I got them. <laughs> I said, where are you at? And he was working in West Palm Beach on a rescom job. I drove down to West Palm Beach. I wanted to meet with him face-to-face. Right. And I was like, man – do you realize, and we sat there and talked face-to-face, and he shook my hand. He said, you get that job, I'll put it in for you. And so I went down there. We submitted a bid. We're in a good spot. I negotiated with, not with Trump himself, but with uh, Matt Calamari, who's a New Jersey, he was Trump's guy for yeah. negotiation, and it yeah. was no joke. Right. Negotiated the whole deal with him. Um, and we won the job, and you talk about nervous and being out <laughs> on a limb. Yeah. Because had Polo and them come up with something better or not held to their word, and we, it was just a handshake right. between me and a guy I worked with 15 years ago, but they didn't do that. They showed up and absolutely knocked it out of the park. Polo's the one putting in Pelican Bay right now. His brother's putting in Bonita Bay. Yeah. And there's a whole fast group of that came on where I absorbed more or less George Jones's company. Right. Um, but I could, you know, Lucio and Aubert and Beto, I could sit there and name all these guys that are invaluable to me that I absorbed yeah. at that time. And, and they've trained up countless crews and countless guys sure. since then. And just another complete fluke stroke of luck. Well, man, you put yourself in the right positions to be there. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, there's always wins and losses and there you've taken some of those losses and, but you've also gotten taken advantage of the opportunities and they come your way. And, and, you know, I can't, I can't commend you enough. I know the, the work you do and, and firsthand and, and just to have those opportunities and those guys, I mean, you speak highly of them. I hope they get to hear this and talk, you know, hear you talk about how you're appreciative of them. And, I, and uh, you know, you don't probably get to tell them enough. And, you know, your relationship with Clay is huge, and you can see that. And and um, so that's awesome. I mean, it's yeah. a great story. And, you know, people need to understand who they're getting when they get nut irrigation and you guys and, you know, and we can vouch for you all we want. But, you know, you guys putting it down on the ground and doing it. So, yeah, you know, and last week well, I mentioned that superintendent came over to to see everything we were doing at Pelican Bay, and we had kind of taken him through, and we had a mainline operation over here, and we were fusing pipe on this fairway, and we were putting in laterals here, and he, uh, you know, he asked me, he said, well, Stephen, he said, all these moving parts, he said, how, how do you keep it all together, <laughs> you know, and and I told him, and it just, I had never really thought of it, but I told him, it was one simple answer, good employees. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's how, I, if this was Stephen Nutt managing all this, yeah. I'd be getting terrible references. Sure. You know, it's it's the quality employees. And mm. I don't have a lot of turnover. And there's, because 
man, I am really good friends with my guys. Right. And, you know, there's deep relationships there. And they help me, I help them. And But I, I know where my bread's buttered. Sure. Are you set up now that you could take on even more work? Or do you, do you kind of say, if, if somebody called you tomorrow, how far would you out would you be? We, uh, we are booked through the end of this year. Yeah. We are, we are looking for something for the January, February, March time frame. Next summer is going to be busier than this summer. Sure. Um, so yeah. you typically have downtime in your scheduling regardless. I mean, there's, all, you know, just the nature of the weather and things you have. So you're set up to pretty much get started in the, the go season, but you have some downtime that you would like to fill, but you, you typically – what does your typical year look like now? Typically, we'll do uh, five or six jobs in the summer. Yeah. And just because of the time of the year and the economy, a lot of times in the winter, we may only have two to four. Um, and then back to the summer again. Now, yeah. from 2011 to this point right now, we've not had any gaps. Right. Um, and that's another thing, like this past winter – we uh we had a job in 27 hole project in Lakeland, Florida. And then uh that and that was in the fall, like kind of the October, November, December. And then we had a, a 18 hole project in Daytona, Florida at Oceanside Country Club that was kind of January, February, March, because the big summer swing starts in April for at sure. least for South Florida. Um but though we only had the one job right before Christmas and only the one right after Christmas outside of Missouri. We've been in Missouri right. the whole time. Um, but what we did there, we just swarmed the people to it. And if you call, and it was for the city of Lakeland, um, Lakeland, Florida, and then Oceanside, and they're probably two of the best references on my <laughs> list right now because we flat blew those places out. Right. Both were completed well ahead of schedule, under budget. We just made real short work of it. Yeah. I just piled the people to it. Um, you know, and you talk about could we get bigger, and we possibly we could. I'm sure we could, but because I, I had a consultant two weeks ago telling me how crazy next summer was going to be. He said, how many crews are you running right now? I said, five. And he said, man, you need to double it. I right. mean, there's so much work, and – I thought about a lot about that comment, and, and then I, Clay and I talked about it, and we kind of came to the decision, getting these good quality people is not easy. Right. And it takes time. I can't just pick up another job and go grab one of these crews like I've got set up now. So that's one thing. And as busy as the whole economy is right now, people are even harder to find, yeah. especially within your budget. Um, and then two – you know, so that's one factor we don't want to get any bigger. And the second is, you know, I told Clay, and we, we're in agreement on this, I don't want to spend this whole economic boom and uptick growing this company, buying equipment. Because we'd have to buy more, another, if we took on one more job, we'd have to buy another plow that cost hundred and twenty grand. we would have to buy $100,000 worth of fusion equipment. You know, yeah. so the growth is not cheap. Sure. And I don't want to spend this whole good period growing just to come to a downturn and have to fire a bunch of people. Yeah. And then I got all kinds of equipment, but no money, <laughs> you 
you know, so we, we've decided we're just going to stick where we're at. Yeah. Our prices may float up a little, supply and demand. Sure. And, but we're just going to ride through and keep pumping out quality work because that our one and only sales pitch is our reference list. Yeah. And I tell people, I probably told you that yeah. when we first met and that's, I tell people that all the time. Here's my reference list. Yeah. Please call everybody. Every job I've ever done is on there. Yeah. And that's our sales pitch. Yeah. And I don't want to lose that. Yeah. You know, and, and it, this economy right now, it's, it baits people to make mistakes. And you take on that extra job, you get spread a little thin, and yeah. you don't quite perform like you have before. And it's, it's a prime time yeah. to, you know, for that to happen, and, and we don't want to do that. Yeah, I think, I think you're right in that aspect. I, I do think there's people gun-shy about what happened in 2008 and 9, especially if you went through it. Um, I think we're set up a little bit differently from a financial market and some stability that's a that's a little bit different than then. But I, I'm I would be timid if I were in your shoes. I mean, it's hard, you know, to that one more job could could go the wrong way or you know, yeah. And and you know, put getting another crew together. So I asked the question because I want to know kind of where your thoughts are on it. But I think it's smart. It's you know, you've grown to where you're at. One out of necessity because you could the 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 work is coming but also because you were able to put good people in good positions Mm -hmm. and find them and that's not the easiest thing to do right yeah so i mean you know i i don't know you know it 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 would be hard for me to to second guess your decision on whether to take that you know five more jobs or whatever it sounds great but at the end of the day you got to do what's best for you yeah and you know you're you're more about what you're doing with your company the quality of the work and that you can guarantee right now, you know, and, yeah. and, and you can stand behind that. So I think that's big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's always been our focus was our reputation, the quality of our work, our relationships. I yeah. mean, even, you know, in those times like 2009, 10 and 11, I wasn't making any money. Yeah. I was not a pretty picture on paper, Yeah, but you can call any of my references through that time period. And we did, a quality yeah. job for them. That's always been our focus above anything else. Yeah. And that, I think that's a big reason where we're at today yeah. is, is because of that. Did you just straight up lose that 187,000 or do you, gone. or is it still? No, it's gone. We filed a lien on the property, but, uh, you know, within a year and a half, two years of that, the bank that had it, the bank that had the original loan had the first on the property. Sure. Our liens were second. Yeah. And the bank sold the loan for less than what they were owed. So at that point, everybody else was out. And there was over $6 million worth of liens filed on that property. I can't imagine. But at the point, the bank sold the loan to another bank for less than what they were owed. Yep. All legal avenues were solved closed. Yep. Done. That's a bummer, man, but, you know. But, you know, it was. It works out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It does. But I learned a lot of valuable lessons, you know. I've, and I don't ever want to be adversarial with any customers or anything, but I learned right there, you know, had I not finished those last three holes, I probably spent another eighty to to $100,000 finishing the last three holes after I was already not getting paid. Yeah. So if I come do a job now and they're not paying me, Per our contracted agreement, I'm stopping. Yeah. 
And I, there's not a sales pitch somebody <laughs> could give me to make me change yeah. because of that experience. Right. You know, and, I, and you don't ever want a job to turn out like that or a relationship to go that way. But I've got those calluses. I've been there and done, and no. Yeah. Well, we're I, not working. <laughs> yeah. I think in, you're in your position where you can do that. I mean, you were, at that time, you were thinking, this is going to be all right and this is the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I, it's the right thing to do, yeah. and, and I don't want to go to war. You know, I'm this little small fry. Yeah. This owner owes me all this money. I don't want to draw a line in the sand and say I'm not coming to work and then start a legal battle or any other kind of battle. Yeah. With, you know, I just want to be friendly and get paid, and it didn't work out. Yeah. You know, but that was my thought. Sure. Was I don't want to go to war with a guy that owes me money, and they're <laughs> bigger and richer and yeah. – Smarter and, you know, but it was a faulty thought process yeah. and I learned my lesson. I hear you. So how did you end, you, and you may have covered this, but how did you end up in Tullahoma? Is this where you grew up? Born and raised. Yeah. So you just don't want to leave, huh? No, man. It's uh, my father. Um, he, he spent four years in the Navy and then he spent four years at the University of Florida. He's from a dairy farm in upstate New York. Yeah. But... His first interview out of college when he graduated was at uh, Arnold Air Force Base out here. Yep. It may, he was an engineer by trade, my dad. And that was his first interview out of college. And he was hired on the spot. And he worked out there for over 40 years. Yeah. So I was born and raised right here, as was my wife. And we dated briefly in high school and then picked up again when she got in college. And... Um, We've debated on a couple of different occasions to moving down to Florida because yeah. I've done so much work in Florida. But at the end of the day, it was all about raising kids. Yeah. And in our opinion, you can't find a better place to do it. Yeah. And so we've we stayed here, and we love it. Yeah. My wife is a teacher here locally, and my girls are in high school and middle school and involved in everything. And, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, it's just home. Always has been, always will be. I can certainly understand. It's a great, you know, Middle Tennessee is great. I mean, you were just south of Nashville, what, maybe an hour or so, hour and a half. And, I mean, it's just great. I mean, I, I don't blame you. I, I mean, if you, if you can make the travel work and, and all that, and I know you're gone quite a bit. I mean, that's probably a little difficult on the home life and family, but you've adjusted and that's, you know, made it work and be able to stay in where you've grown up. That's That's yeah. probably big, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have to travel a lot, and at yeah. times it wears, and you don't like to be away. But if you look at the big picture and the well-being of my wife and daughters, it's, I think, definitely the right move. So yep. we're, we're happy we've done it and don't see it changing. I hear you. Do you get to talk to Mike much, Pignato? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, uh, that job in Lakeland uh, I mentioned that we did last fall was yeah. with Mike. Uh, the Nicholas Signature course we're doing in Boca via Meisner, that's with Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah, still to this day, do a lot of work with Mike and that, that I think I already mentioned it, but that first job I got breakers, Mike was integral. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, still a great relationship with him. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and there's several other consultants. I yeah. mean, we do a lot of work with Trevor Holman and Sean Hyduck, who were both with AquaTurf, but they both do their own thing. Trevor's yeah. up here in Nashville and Sean's in South Florida. We do a lot of work with Dave Reagan and then there's countless others that we've sure. done work with. Um, but, yeah, a lot of really good relationships. But Mike is 
One of the strongest. Yeah. Well, when you see him, tell him I said hello. I, I hope he hears this. I, I, I think we follow each other on Twitter and social media, but uh, I don't know if he listens. He probably busy, okay. but tell him. I'll make sure he listens yeah. to this one. A- absolutely, because we'll mention him. Yeah. I, I had a great time, uh, um, you know, working with him, and he, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal in what he does and passionate about it and, and uh, think he's a great, you know, irrigation consultant, so. Anybody. He is. He is. He's a smart guy, and uh, you know, Mike. A lot of ways, Mike and I are cut from the same cloth. And yep. Not a lot of frills and pomp and circumstance, but it's common sense, straight shooting. Yeah. Get it done. And I think that's what one of the reasons we've always done so well together. It's just it is what it is. Yeah. Do the best thing for the customer, and that's it. I I I totally agree. I mean, it's a great relationship. So. Do y'all when you bid a job? Do you do you sort of turnkey it from the start to finish? Is it you? Are you dealing with the pump station? How how are you and you guys involved? Sort of put a bow on this as in, into what you guys do for the the client. Um, because I know when we worked together, I I had like a, another company doing the pump station, and and you guys probably outsource some of that. But do you do a turnkey bid, or or do you kind of take a lot of different factors? No, we we can and do a lot of times. Um, you know, a lot of times, though, the, you know, if you've got an existing pump and it's going to come out and a new one's going to go in, yeah. that can happen through us, and we don't lop hardly any cost onto that at all, yeah. but it could just as easily happen without us. Right. You know, a lot of times the consultant will have the relationship with the pump guys, and he can just get them in there, and that can happen before we ever even arrive on site. Yeah. So... You know, it goes both ways, but we do that now. But we are capable of the whole thing. If you need a new wet well intake, slab, screen, pump. You can do it all. The whole deal, yeah, we we do a lot of that too. It it just depends on who the players are and, you know, what the scope of the work is. And But if need be, yeah, we definitely do it all a lot of times. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, if anybody's listening and is interested in doing an irrigation renovation or new install, I highly recommend you guys, uh, Nut Irrigation. Call me if you want a reference, but he'll send you one. He, he's got a list a mile long of, of great work, and so um, I would definitely put him on your list of – a short list of guys to put him uh, – put your irrigation system in. He'll do you a, a great job. Well, man. I appreciate that, man, and that's, that's what kept these wheels spinning all these years is – it's people talking to guys just like yourself yeah. that we worked for in the past. And yeah. that's what I tell them, you know, I can, I can sit here and tell you how great I am. I think <laughs> my company is all day, yep. but the real proof, call them and talk to them when I'm not even around. Yep. And I, I it speaks volumes, I think. I, I, I certainly would, would agree with you. Yeah. I, no doubt about that. And kudos to you and Clay for, you know, hanging in there and doing it and making it work. And it's, it's awesome. So, Good luck to you in the future. I mean, it's it's uh, it looks the the future does look bright for work. It does, you know? yeah. Right now, man, it's a great environment. Yeah. Um, we're, I think everybody's loving this economy. It's nice. I hear you. Now, do you specifically just do golf, or are you into anything else? I mean, would you tackle a big residential or commercial? We have in the past. We've uh, we've done you know a lot of the street side and clubhouse and stuff on projects we were already on. Right. Um, we've done at least one large residence, you know, I mentioned this, I was telling somebody a story just the other night, but 
we did a job last summer that Chris Hartman is on right now, finishing the punch list up, Double Eagle Golf Club in Galena, Ohio, right around Columbus. And it's a top 100 course. Yeah. Super nice place. But the gentleman that owns Double Eagle Golf Club also owns, he also owns the uh, Columbus hockey team. So a few weeks ago when they were in the playoffs against the Boston Bruins, well, back in 2010, I irrigated a guy's personal property down Wellington, Florida, a 140-acre horse farm. <laughs> but, I mean, he had a pump station right. and golf heads. He had rain guns that threw over his horse paddocks that threw 260 feet. And, but that gentleman was the owner of the Boston Bruins. So a couple weeks ago watching the Bruins – play the Columbus team in the playoff hockey. I got a big kick out of that because yeah. it was just me, but yeah. I was like, man, I work for both these guys. That's, That's pretty awesome. cool. Um, but yeah, I forget what question you even asked me that got uh, me going down that road. I just asked if you ever did any residential or commercial. That's guys, about it. Yeah. Though mm -hmm. that his residence in a couple of neighborhoods, but the residential commercial pricing for irrigation is yeah. different than golf. And there's a reason for it that, a lot of the, and not just the fusion equipment, but the Vermeer trenchers and plows, and we own our own boring rig, do all our own road bores. Yeah. And so all the heavy equipment I own, it would be next to impossible to pay for that with res comp pricing. Sure, yeah. It's just a different animal, and so we don't do much, if any, of that. Yep. Just that's not, how, that's not how we're geared up. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where do you store all your equipment? Do you have storage in different places? I mean, it's constantly moving, so I don't know if you need to store it. Yeah, it, for the most part, yeah. uh, we don't need to store it. Yeah. It goes from one job to the next. Yeah. If I ever do have to bring it to a yard, I got a lot bigger issues <laughs> yeah. than where it's parked. It, <laughs> exactly. I, my issues are why it's parked. Right. But I, I own a mini storage facility here in Tullahoma, yeah. and it's got an extra side lot. And I've got a shop over there, so we, you know, we got we got some things there that are just too old and junky and retired from the road. Yeah, I need to sell some of that stuff one of these days. But if I ever do need to bring stuff here, I, I have a place to put it. Yeah, but it's since 2011 that's been really rare. Yeah, and do you employ a mechanic? Or do you send everything off? Or? I don't employ. I've got a few employees that are really great mechanics. Yeah. Uh, Lucio and Manuel are both phenomenal mechanics. And and we'll send stuff out. You sure. know, like a lot of it now is so high tech, just like cars. It's not mm -hmm. like working on a car when you and I were in high school. They got computers and different yeah. things. And so a lot of it I'll send to Vermeer or whoever it may be from. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you asked earlier, and I don't think I answered in all my ramblings, but I, I think right now we've got about 70 employees. Yeah, that's – wow, that's big. Yeah, yeah, on the six projects. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, we talked a lot about you and your company and, and what you guys do, and I, and I, and I hope that people are, have been a lot more informed about irrigation and all that, but what is it – that you do when you're not working? What is it that you enjoy doing? Your family, talk a little bit about that life and because I want people to get to know you on a personal level a little bit too as well. Yeah, yeah, well, and it is all about family. Yeah. My wife and I just uh, this past, on uh, June 3rd celebrated our 19-year wedding anniversary. Yeah, congratulations. Appreciate that, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I don't know how she's done it. But <laughs> I don't, well, we've got a great relationship. Our daughters are 14 and 12 years old. Yep. My 14-year-old daughter's just going into high school. She's loved basketball since fifth grade. Sure. Is extraordinarily talented at it. We have no idea where she got that from. Yeah. Because it wasn't me or her mama. <laughs> uh, and then my 12-year-old daughter is in competitive gymnastics and cheer. And they're both on travel teams doing that. So, yeah, there's most weekends when I'm able to get in, if, you know, whether it's a cheer tournament here or a basketball tournament there. And it's crazy with sports now. I mean, yeah. they, these girls' schedules with just their one individual sport run nearly year-round. Oh, yeah. Between school ball and travel ball. And, you know, yeah. I might have four months of basketball growing up. And yeah. then we did ba baseball and yeah. football. But, yeah, they're one sport year-round. So, do a ton of that. And then you're sitting here looking at my place. My passion. Beautiful out here, by the way. I love uh, horses and horseback riding. Yeah. And it's great around here. Um all my horses are spotted saddle horses, Tennessee walking horses, double registered. But we don't do the shows and the big yeah. padded feet and all that. We trail ride them. Yeah. But you go to Woodbury or you go in any direction around here, you can be in some really steep, good hills in no time. And I've always been amazed at what these horses can do. Sure. And I can go up and down stuff, and me and all the people I go with can go up and down stuff that you would not dream of taking a four-wheeler or motorcycle up and down. <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane yeah. what they can do. So that is my fall-winter passion for yeah. me. And then we have, a, uh, we have a Mastercraft boat, a surf edition. So in the summer, me, my wife, my daughters, and lots of our friends – we're out here on Tim's Ford Lake wake yeah. surfing. Oh, yeah. And inner tubing. I complain to no end about the inner tube, but the girls love it. Oh, sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's our – I do the horses in the winter and the and the boat in the summer. Yep. And then outside of that, I'm all hobby to – I got no room for another hobby. Yeah. And we talked earlier before we started recording. You don't, you don't even play golf, not anymore. I don't. I did for years. Uh, wasn't ever very really good at yep. it. I, I was – bogey golf yeah you know I think uh I've shot maybe 80 or 81 once or twice yeah um but I haven't played in about 14 years once my daughter my oldest daughter was born um I spend so much time on golf courses working <laughs> yeah and then once I had kids at home it just uh didn't make sense to me anymore yep. a buddy of mine though that I used to play with we've talked about picking it up again yeah and I may do that um, but yeah, I haven't played. Wow, that's awesome. So I mean, if we ever get invited to anything industry wise, yeah, I'm sending my partner. And like I said, he <laughs> now played. Clay's a good. Now he's a good golfer. Oh yeah, he played at South Carolina. He'll beat the brakes off still, of you. He's still good. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, if we're ever invited to anything, yeah, Clay's gonna be the one showing up for that, not yeah. me. And trust me, you want it that way. That's right. And he can win a few. Uh, he, I mean, he can impress a few people with his golf game. <laughs> right. For sure. I'd run people off with yeah. mine. I have no doubt. <laughs> No doubt. Well, Stephen, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is going to be the longest podcast I've ever done. So, and really, we I had no idea, yeah, man. It seems it goes like by that. almost an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and uh, I, I just want to say, man, how I appreciated sitting down and chatting with you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, it's always been our, our relationship 
ship's always been fun and and uh being out of the industry now has kind of gotten me to do a lot of things and sitting down with guys like yourself and talking and chatting about it is it really makes uh things fun and, and enjoyable and i appreciate you opening your home and being down here and talking and talking about your business and what you got going. Well, good deal, man. I appreciate you coming down, and I appreciate the opportunity yeah. to uh, to get out there. This, this has been great. Yeah, we're going to need that salt gun for this fly. I know, <laughs> man. I know. It's right there on the table. Uh, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. So uh, are you on any social media? You want to push, tell anybody about your social media? Do you do it a lot? Uh, you know, I, I made a point at, at the beginning of last year to really step that up. And... Um, so uh, Nut, Nut Construction, Nut Irrigation has a, a Facebook page. Yep. So I put a lot on that. And then I opened up a Twitter account, and I couldn't even necessarily tell you my handle right now well, off the top I'll, of my head. I'll, I'll tweet it out when, okay. I, when I... But I did both of those simultaneous and made a point last year to really commit the time to keep them updated and, and make posts. And what I found, I mean, Facebook's cool, but it's... Facebook's all friends of mine or friends of theirs. Twitter, though, has really gotten the traction. Everybody I'm connected with on Twitter is in my industry, yeah. whether it's superintendents or, or whatever. And then so I picked up all kinds of followers on Twitter within the industry. So that, right. that's kind of where I focus all my efforts now is, is on Twitter, and it's uh, – you know, just posting pics out there, and I've got my guys are always sending me stuff, and I tell them, send me whatever. It may be nothing to you or second right. nature, but the stuff we see every day on these construction sites, there's a lot of people out there that would be, wow, look at yeah. that, you know, and we don't think much of it. So, yeah, that's kind of where my focus is at now. I definitely I definitely would encourage you to do more. It, 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 in my, you know, I was one of the ones who kind of adopted Twitter and Instagram, and I think those those platforms have a, a huge benefit if you use them in the right way to project your business or what you're doing. So yeah. I would encourage you to do as much. And it's, it, it's a learning curve just like anything else and figuring yeah. out what you do. But, you know, just posting what you're doing and where you're at and some of the things you're coming across will really engage people. And so encourage you to do more of that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think you're totally right. Yeah. That's good advice. And your, and your handle on Twitter is – at nut s75 okay. and that's nut with two t's n-u-t-t-s 75 good deal so I'll, we'll, I'll tweet that out when i send the podcast out uh, when it goes live to everybody so perfect perfect awesome well once again man uh thank you um we'll tell every i hope uh this um was enjoyable for you as it was for me but thanks again for it and i appreciate you doing it yes and, sir uh, it was enjoyable for me i appreciate you. hopefully it's not another uh three or four years before we get to sit down and chat and do I agree and so, I agree but for uh the rest of you listening please uh go rate share subscribe uh follow us on iTunes we're going to be available on pretty much every uh place that you can listen to podcasts I just I just submitted it submitted it for iHeartRadio so uh wherever you're listening thank you appreciate it uh until next time this is another episode of Making the Turn I'm your host BJ Parker and we'll talk to you soon